killed in a shark attack. Adam Curry, John C. DeVore. It's Thursday, October 27, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 351. This is no agenda. It's your personal spiv here at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, everybody. It's Adam Curry here. And from northern Silicon Valley, where we celebrate the salvation of the EU, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> they also apparently cracked a few skulls, finally, in Oakland. <laughs> yeah, about time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah, used yeah. the, they, it was pretty, uh, they also beat the crap out of a, uh, out of an Iraq uh, vet who's now uh, been hospitalized in critical condition. Well, <laughs> it was kind of interesting. I was, uh, I was looking at some of the, uh, at some of the, some of the reporting. I sound, do I sound overmodulated to you? No, you sound great. Okay. Well, that's good. It's my ears undermodulating. And uh, so here's a quick report from the local news. Police used tear gas and fired beanbags to disperse what they say were crowds of up to 1,000 protesters. More than 100 were arrested. The number of injured is not known, but we do know two officers were injured. At least one protester, an Iraq war veteran, suffered a fractured skull. Sounds so much nicer when you say beanbag instead of rubber bullets, doesn't it? Beanbag. It didn't mention the sound cannon. Oh, I didn't know about the sound cannon. They used one of those. Oh yeah, that is uh, that's such a vile weapon, man. The, the, now, the sound well, cannon. It should be used against civilian population, especially our own people. But the, the re- first, it came out with all the reports about using the sound cannon. Which I came didn't from hear Homeland that. Security. Oh wow. Yeah. Then they suppressed it. Interesting. The information has been suppressed because there are apparently a lot of kids at the protests, and these sound cannons. If you people can look up sound weapon, or oh, sound it, cannon it's, or it's a weapon. It's an actual weapon. It's a it weapon, hurts. and yeah. it'll, it'll burst your eardrums. It'll make you permanently deaf or right. hard of hearing for the rest of your life. It also causes a brain damage. It can give you a concussion. It has all these problems, and of course, the uh, the Oakland police decided to pull one of these things out. This has been used. I think on the G20, G20 uh, in the, riots, in it's the, been used here and there against the, our own people. Philadelphia. It's really inexcusable. And uh, so now it's been, now the, whatever information was uh, released to the public at first has been, seems to be pulled. And I don't know if they're denying they ever used it or what, but this uh, the evidence is they probably did. But they also had a bunch of uh, those flash, flash grenades. Flashbangs. Yeah, you know, that, that's what's very interesting because here's the denial of the flashbangs and the... Show, how do they deny it? You could see it. <laughs> no, listen. Well, it's interesting because it's not actually the spokes hole for the cops who denies, but the report. This is from uh, PBS, uh, yeah, PBS, actually. They had already thrown bottles at us. They were going back into a garbage can to retrieve more bottles. And by policy, we are allowed to use less lethal rounds to neutralize that person and take them into custody. Police also denied using flashbang grenades as demonstrators had charged. They said the explosions came from firecrackers thrown by protesters. <laughs> yeah, get me some of them firecrackers. They rocked. Those were great firecrackers. You know what? This is this is an outrage. And uh, I was talking to an author uh, yesterday, interviewing this author for the Big Book Show. And, um, you know, once you say to someone, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I wish the... Occupy Wall Street people, you know, the Occupy movement had a, a clear message. And once you say to them, it should be the same as the Arab Spring. Remove, you know, regime change, remove the dictator, and implement a, fly, a no-fly zone. 
people go, huh, yeah, you know, that's actually not, not so bad. Because is, is the footage not identical to what we saw first in Tahrir Square with <laughs> Egypt? With uh, It was I mean, rubber bullets, tear gas. It's the same thing. Well, we're missing the guys on camels with baseball bats. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. A bunch of cops on camels. Well, they'll do something different, like uh, donkeys or something. They'll have they'll have some version of it. You know it's coming. And of course, as predicted on this show weeks ago, it happened in the dead of, dead night. of night. They haven't the got the guts night. to do this during the daytime. No. And by the way, the flash bangs wouldn't show up so so obviously during the day if they were using them. And uh, and those the, those are flash bangs. I mean, I've seen flash bangs. Those are flash bangs. Oh, I, they had a they had a chopper overhead, and uh, they were shooting pictures. And you could see it was yeah, it was way firecrackers. Hey, are you up to speed on the Occupy hand signals? Pretty much, because uh, well, I know I only I know a few of them. Well, you know the or, twinkle. Are there new ones coming out? Well, there's a very. Dis- Is there a book? There's a. Yeah, there's, well, there's a link in the show notes at three five one dot dot com, which is um, uh, uh, a video. I think it's Occupy Seattle where they go through. It's a general assembly. So this is people. You know the the. By the way, this is total mind control. When this repeating, this is not about. Uh, everyone has a voice or a megaphone. This is mind control. This is dronery. To sit there and like, and the hand signal is, and the hand signal is. Now, I, you can't see the hand signal, but I want you to listen to the description, then I'll tell you what the hand signal is. Ears! Ears! Ears. I can't hear what's being said! I can't hear what's being said! <laughs> Wrap it up! Wrap it up! <laughs> this is taking too much time! This is taking too much time! I get your point, please finish! Now here it comes. Listen to this one. Process point. Process point. Process is not being followed off topic. Process is not being followed off topic. So do you know the hands? Wait a minute. This sounds like a comment log or something. (laughs) Off topic. Off topic. Well, it's worse than that. Do you know the hand signal for process point? At what is? Why are they using a term like process point? What is well, this? A, well, what is this let, some let, sort of a seminar let, we're in? Let me give you the hand signal, and then maybe you can help me. It is the Illuminati signal, where you hold your hand uh, in a pyramid with your thumbs together, like Jay Z does in his videos. It is the Illuminati hand signal. <laughs> no, no, it's not funny. I saw this. I was like, "Wow, that is funny." It's the Illuminati hand the signal. Illuminati says you're not on process point. Please, please clarify. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, you're kidding me!" They're throwing Illuminati signs now. Either that, or it's, or or it's a Jay Z commercial for his new CD. I think my microphone is. I think- uh, if you think about it. Oh, you're just a falling. Apart. Uh, I know. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, it's that thing again. Uh, that thing. Uh, that wonderful thing. While we're doing that, I'll entertain the audience. Uh, <laughs> help! 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 Okay. All right. Uh, what? Yeah, that was yeah. good. That was a little. Uh, oh, damn. Okay. So uh, maybe you know, one of the theses of our show. Well, they can't hear you when I'm doing that. Okay, I think it's fixed now. 
Okay, one of the theses of our show is everything does go back to show business and movies. Why wouldn't that be the Jay-Z sign? Maybe they slipped that in just for that purpose. Yeah, that, possible. Oh, that, that, that reminds me, I should buy this CD. <laughs> hey, how's Beyonce's baby, actually? I was just thinking about that, dude. <laughs> oh, it's still cutting out, piece of crap. Uh, anyway, um, in the morning, John. In the morning to you, in the morning to all ships at sea and boots on the ground and feet in the air. And in the morning, everybody, my name is actually, I am human resource number 3,282,515,303, as calculated by the BBC human resource number calculator, which is very cool. Oh, where is it? As uh, In the show notes. No, where, give me the, is your URL findable or is it something I can Google? Uh, yeah, you can Google. I'll tell you what uh, to Google. It's uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, somewhere. Uh, it's uh, here. I'll give you the uh, seven billion people and you. What's your number? That's the. That's what you want to Google. Seven billion. I'm googling. People. I'm googling. Uh Seven. BBC Human Resource Calculator. No, 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 no. Oh, this is interesting because I get BBC. <laughs> How does a human calculator do <laughs> no. it? Go to 7 billion people and you. Google that. Okay. And uh, all you have to do is input your birth date, and then it gives you your human resource number. <laughs> well, why would it be in the trillions if there's only 7 billion people? Well, I was born in 1964. So what? There was, you know, well, so there was already a whole bunch of people around by then. Oh, they're talking about the number of people that are also dead. No. Yeah, no. that's how you get to seven trillion. I'm sorry, seven billion. I my mistake. I meant, oh, you're giving. Oh. I, oh, oh, I should be whipped. I should be shot. I'm a slave, and I don't know my number. I'm sorry. My human resource number is three billion two hundred eighty-two million five hundred fifteen three zero three. Reporting, sir. And, of course, in the morning to all of our human resources in the chat room, obtain your number. Use it as your Twitter handle, everything. Use your human resource number. They're at the uh, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. I was a little uh, overzealous there with the All trillion. calculations provided by the United Nations Population Fund. I'm telling you, it's for real. <laughs> <laughs> they, they literally gave me my number. What's your number? I don't even want to do the calculation. Come on, do, it. do your number. Let's see if you have All a right, low hang number. On, hang on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got someone in the chat room who's five billion five hundred forty-two million eight hundred forty-three. Hey, wait a minute. What about two? Here's the thing. What about two people born on the same day? Oh, I, I'm going to put it. I'm, here's what I'm going to do. Hang on. No, it's well. Look. It's okay, the, I got uh, a number here. It's, <laughs> what's your number? <laughs> I. I Where's my number? It just says I was when yeah. I was born. You I hit were, go. I, I were the yeah. two six one four five four four three nine person alive on Earth seven five eight five eight seven two four six two seven. Yeah, you're in the two billion club. Now let's do it again. Oh, you think it'll be different all of a sudden? Well, what? What about two people born on the same day? Is it going to be the same number? I don't know. Do it again. See if you get a different number. I won't let me do it again because the go is grayed out. So ah, I, have to, I have to go to a different browser on a different machine. Yeah, they, they're tracking you. Don't worry. I'm S telling you, this will be a Sam uh, knows. Be you know, Sam, this is bull crap. It's bull crap. Really? You this think so? Not official. <laughs> I want my official number. Damn it! I want my official human resource number according to the United Nations. Well, anyway, I still feel like a human resource. Regardless. Why do they do this? 
Oh, I see. To Here's prepare you that. Oh, look at because there's a hockey stick graph at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, like we're all going to die. Going from you are here to oh my god. Yeah, as soon it'll be everybody going to die. Everybody under number four billion report to the FEMA camp. Your shower is ready. Yeah, people should definitely look at this up. Look, look, look at this. So there's this word that cropped up uh, over the past couple of days, and of course, I know that you've been following the actual news along with me for uh, the the uh, for the actual uh, news media in the United States of Gitmo Nation. It's totally don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. Please don't look at what's happening in Europe. Please go look at Herman Cade's smoking ad or smiling ad. Please don't don't look at what's happening. A new word. Spiv. 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 Spiv stands for Special Purpose Investment Vehicle. Unfortunately, the idiots in Brussels don't realize this is also slang, British slang, for a person who makes a living by underhand dealings or swindling. <laughs> Such idiots. Does no one have... And no one does no one have the urban dictionary in Brussels? Do they not see the irony? Or is it just throwing it in my face? I think the latter. Yeah, well, I think the former. They're too dumb to throw that in your face. Like, hey man, I got a gr- I got a great idea. Hey Herman, look, we call it Spiv. <laughs> we are like black marketeers. <laughs> That's Angela. That's my Angela. Angela Merkel. No, that's your, <laughs> that's your same old, uh, what's his name, uh, Brzezinski. No, Brzezinski is, uh, Brzezinski is very much like this. No, no, this is Angela. So um, the uh, United States of uh, Gitmo Nation Europe, United States of Europe, which now truly is becoming the United States of Europe, only the states have no say in the matter. <laughs> uh, they decided late... Uh, last night for early in the morning for for the Europeans uh, that they have a deal and markets respond accordingly. Everyone's vibing on it. Everyone's groovy. I have uh, Haiku Herman's victory speech here if you'd like to uh, listen to that just so we can set the stage a little bit. Oh, I, is he going to do some poetry while we're at it? No, no, hi, no haiku, unfortunately, oh, well, but just, uh, just his little uh, victory speech about how great they are. Good morning. Good morning. As I said to the journalist. Oh. <laughs> Good morning. Ducks walked into a bar. <laughs> Good morning. As I said to the journalist only a few hours ago. Last night was a. What a non sequitur. What is the point? Good morning. As I said to a journalist, journalist only a few seconds ago. Hey, thanks. Douche. Crucial political step. Sometimes I hear complaints that markets don't give democracies the time we need to get things approved. There is some truth in it. Truth. But I am deeply convinced the markets will give us the time we need when they see a clear direction Stalling. and a clear determination. Oh, yeah. I've worked hard with all the European Council members. Oh, I worked so hard. I'm such a hard worker. And in particular, the president of the European Commission, to achieve this result. Yeah, I rock. All, all along, we had a double duty. Mm. Dealing with the current mm. crisis and preventing a new one from arising. Oh, okay. Taking emergency actions, like setting up 
rescue funds while also putting together step by step a new economic governance to help avoid future problems. Hello, that would be uh, one you can cross off in the red book. I predicted this. I predicted there'd be new global governance as the integration of the United States of Gitmo Nation Europe is now closer than ever because of the purposeful failing of the euro. The European Union is often charged with coming up with too little and too late. The markets have the luxury of moving at the speed of a click of a mouse. Political processes. <laughs> yeah, even those dog guys are always with a mouse. They get the click, mouse at the right. Click of a mouse. If they are working at their most rapid, cannot deliver so speedily. Uh, speedily. In politics, one needs time to bring everybody on board. Time is the politician's cement. You remember that one? This is this time is, gonna, is the politician's cement. This is going to be uh, one of his new haikus. Cement, vet, politicians, dry. Yet it is crucial that we put in place rules and procedures that will anticipate problems in the future and prevent them from arising. And it is also crucial that we develop emergency procedures enabling a more speedy and flexible reaction. Improving Europe's capacity to act is the best sign of mutual trust we can give to the public, to the markets and to ourselves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Emergency what? Uh, Who knows? He said emergency. That's that was the key right there. That emergency. Well, thing. let's listen to it again then. Hold on. Prevent them from arising, and it is also back, crucial. Back. Rapid cannot deliver so speedily. In politics, one needs time to bring everybody on board. Time is the politician's cement. <laughs> Yet it is crucial that we put in place rules and procedures. Mm-hmm that will anticipate problems in the future and prevent them from arising. And it is also crucial that we develop emergency procedures enabling a more speedy and flexible reaction. Yeah, you're right. The emergency procedures. So they released a 15-page document. Now, of course, all you're going to hear about in uh, the media, I think, is the three main things. That private investors... uh, in uh, Greek, Greece and, uh, and other failing uh, states of Europe, such as Spain and Italy, that they are taking a 50% haircut. And I have some information on that. The second one is the leveraging, please listen carefully, the leveraging of the European Stability Fund, the ESFS, or ESFSF, whatever it is, the Starship Enterprise, uh, leveraging by up to five times. So they have about 250 uh, billion euros in the uh, in the fund, and they're going to leverage it. Which uh, explain that? No, that's how they get to the trillion. That's how they get to the trillion. They're going to leverage it, which means basically borrow against it from China and other countries who are very interested. Now, the third one is the recapitalization of the banks. This is an important one. I believe that means we take money from the slaves and give it to bankers. Is that uh, a correct assessment? Well. That seems to be the model. <laughs> okay. However, the 15-page document, which I would like to go through just briefly here and read a couple of highlighted passages. Uh, of course, you'll find it in the show notes linked under the assets section, 351.nashownotes.com. Uh, the wordage is very interesting. Uh, I want to go through that for a second. 
I'm all ears. Okay. All member states of the Euro area are fully determined to continue their policy of fiscal consolidation <laughs> and structural reforms. Da, 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 da. Cross it off in the red book. Fiscal consolidation, which means tax consolidation coming to you from Brussels. A particular effort will be required of those member states who are experiencing tensions in sovereign debt markets, i.e., you're screwed. Action should include enhancing labor market changes to increase flexibility at firm level and employability of the labor force and other reforms to improve competitiveness, especially extending the reforms in the service sector. I read that as lower minimum wage. How do you read it? Well, I, I don't read it. Uh, you're reading it. <laughs> what do but you, yeah. It could be. Italy will now implement the proposed structural reforms to increase competitiveness by cutting red tape, abolishing minimum tariffs in professional services, and further liberalizing local public services and utilities, i.e., we're selling off your crap. We take note of the plan to increase the retirement age to 67 years. Oh, yeah, this has gotten everybody in a <laughs> Keep working, Italian slaves. Good job on you. Especially the Greeks who retire at 55 or yeah. something like that. We support Italy's intention to review structural fund programs by reprioritizing projects and focusing on education, employment, digital agenda, and railways networks with the aim of improving the conditions to enhance growth and tackle the regional divide. Um, now, here's the, here's the first mention of some of the words that become interesting. We invite the commission, that's Starfleet Command in Brussels, to provide a detailed assessment of the measures and to monitor... Their implementation. So this is the first time they're using the word monitor, but it gets a little bit better <coughs> further on. Um, in context of the new program, the commission in cooperation with the other Troika partners. Now the Troika is, uh, just to explain, uh, first of all, is when was this used in history, the Troika? Wasn't it used like a bad term? Wasn't it something in the Russian? Uh, it was mostly used by uh, for the uh, various forms of government where nobody could agree on who was running the thing, so they'd create a Troika. And I believe it's a Russian term because I think the Russian communists did this every so often. Well, the Troika in this case is the European Central Bank, the IMF, and the Starfleet Command in Brussels. So, you know, there's basically two financial parties one of which is certainly external to the EU, the IMF. Did they use the word troika? Oh yeah, troika. The troika partners. This is like a. This is the classic communist term. <laughs> yeah. These people are just telling it like it is. <laughs> Absolutely. We've uh, taken over, including with the involvement of national experts to work in close and continuous cooperation, cooperation with the experts. Greek government and the troika to advise and offer assistance in order to ensure the timely and full implementation of reforms. Uh, now, about the, the haircut, to this end, we invite Greece, private investors, and all parties concerned to develop a voluntary bond exchange with a nominal discount of 50%. Yeah, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. voluntary. Now, here's something I didn't know about. Greece commits future cash flows from Project Helios or other privatization revenue in excess of those already included in the adjustment program to further reduce indebtedness of the Hellenic Republic by up to 15 billion euros. Did you know about Project Helios? No. Project Helios basically turns Greece into one big solar panel. It is... Uh, uh, now, I'm reading from, 2000, from uh, a couple months ago. It's a mammoth, according to the International 
Herald Tribune, 10 gigawatt solar plant that encompasses 200 square kilometers of public land. Hmm. So essentially, they're taking all of that money that comes from selling that energy, if they sell it, I guess, and uh, they have to give it back. So this goes on, uh, this, uh, this crap goes on and on and on. And here is the, uh, the SPIV. Uh, we agree on two basic options. This is the agreement they signed, basically. Two basic options to leverage the resources. So this is how they're going to uh, take that $250 billion and turn it into a trillion. Maximizing the funding arrangements of the EFSF with a combination of resources from private and public financial institutions and investors, which can be arranged through special purpose investment vehicles. SPIV. <laughs> i.e. black marketeers. The leverage effect of each option will vary depending on their specific features. So essentially, there's oh, here it says right here, but could be up to four to five. So they're going to leverage that money to come up with uh, more. Now, when we started this podcast in, uh, was it 2008? I think it was 2008, right? I thought it was in the 40s. <laughs> Might as well have been. We're just repeating it. Uh, I had just started to become very interested in the Lisbon Treaty, which essentially, for those of you who are forgotten or too young, was the Constitution of the United States of Europe, which was voted down, and then they pulled it apart, split it into all these different pieces, and called it the Lisbon Treaty. And, of course, uh, France and the, and the Netherlands voted against it. Ireland voted against it. Do-over. It was voted in. We're done. But I specifically remember discussing the protocols, which is something that is rarely referred to. The protocols are these documents that sit somewhere else that essentially tell you how it's going to be done, which includes uh, the right to arrest anyone who has a contagious disease, such as swine flu, the flu, AIDS, whatever you got, and uh, the right to kill human resources if they run away from the police. And this is the first time I've seen a document that references one of the protocols openly, namely Protocol Number 14, and this will be for the uh, the Euro uh, what is it the Euro board the Euro group working group. They get to elect a president, and it looks like they're going to elect this Finnish guy who's been a shill from day one. And this is the guy who's going to oversee all of this stuff. And here's how they're going to do it. And this is where it gets into the into the crazy language. Uh, hold on a second. I just need to find the uh, the word. I'm sorry. It's such a such a crazy document. The word surveillance keeps cropping up, and uh, I don't know if there's a legal definition for the word surveillance, other than exactly what I think it sounds like. John. Well, I, you know, I'm guessing. Let me throw in a couple of things here before we get too much on a track. First of all, I think this whole thing is 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 bull crap. I think they're just stalling. The the, the whole system is about to collapse, and they don't want to. They just do anything they can to keep it from happening. And I've got some clips that are interesting to kind of back up my thesis. 
And so this is just a bunch of, you know, arm waving and, and bull crap that the, to, just to keep the stock market going. And in fact, it really triggered the U.S. stock market. Yeah, we're like up 300 points or something. We're fa- that's fantastic. They fixed it. They didn't fix anything. <laughs> and they didn't agree on anything. And as you point out, most of the stuff that they did kind of agree on, even though it's, it's vague, is all... Um, you know, it's leverage and a bunch of other bull crap. And just the, the, the Germans, in fact, Merkel on today's front page of the New York Times, it looks dour and it doesn't look like she's a happy camper about <laughs> she anything. She didn't eat her Wheaties, that's for of course, sure. When does she doesn't? When does she look otherwise? <laughs> Ever since George Bush grabbed her. So uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm I'm not convinced that any of this is is really uh, anything more than panic. And I and I will say that to, to defend the uh, use of the word surveillance, I'm assuming that uh, it it refers to uh, financial uh, oversight. Well, let me read it, and uh, then we can move on from this. The legislative package on economic governance strengthens economic and fiscal policy coordination and surveillance. After it enters into force, it will be strictly implemented as part of the Euro- European semester. That's a whole other thing you got to look into. We call for rigorous surveillance by the Commission and the Council, including through peer pressure and the active use of the existing and new instruments available. So essentially, what this means is you are now going to have taxes determined by Brussels, and I predict the main one will be a harmonization, one of their favorite words, of the value-added tax. This is what's going to happen. That's a that's a actually that's a good one to put in the book. Let me put it in there. Harmonization. Uh, let's let's back up and see how this all began. Play my clip. The EU did not follow its own rules. (laughs) Yeah, you're right, and this started in. God, a while ago. The Constitution we're on, which is so beautifully designed, is our second Constitution. We had the Articles of Confederacy for a few years with the same problems. A bunch of states didn't want to be one federal union. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me they're dealing with this now, but they've got to make some hard decisions. Yeah, I would agree that initially the mistake was to get into a currency union without having the political union right there to start to support it. That was the original sin. But then they spent 10 years flouting their own internal rules. They had a Maastricht treaty that required countries not to run budget deficits in excess of 3% of GDP. That didn't stop Greece having a budget deficit of 15% of GDP, Ireland 14% of GDP, Portugal and Spain close to 10% of GDP. Once you build up those imbalances in a fixed exchange rate system, it's too late you know, to be talking about you know, we should have more political union and the, uh, a better structure. You've really got to address those uh, imbalances, and it's very difficult to do that without having the benefit of a devalued currency that promotes export growth as an offset to the kind of fiscal adjustment. These countries are having to do four or five percentage points of fiscal adjustment in a year right in the middle of a recession. This just doesn't work. So this guy is an ex-IMF director back in the 90s who seems to think the IMF is telling everybody the wrong things to do. (laughs) And he's a contrarian. This is a congressional hearing. And uh, I and I think what the surveillance this kind of points out what the surveillance is. In other words, these guys were violating all their own you know basic 
what they signed up for. Mm-hmm. And because there was no surveillance in terms of uh, making sure these people were following the rules. He, according to this guy, and if you want to listen to some more of his material, mm-hmm. uh, he has got the he he is a great pill in terms of. Uh, there's no happy outcome. In fact, you can play no well, happy outcome for well, the year. Well, I, uh, I actually I saw this, and I want to listen to these clips. I saw this on C-SPAN. I followed it with uh, great interest. Uh, I assert, however, um, that these policies were set in place and purposely violated. It started with Germany, actually. Germany was the first one to go over the 3% uh, debt uh, versus GDP ratio. They were the first ones. You know, these are the most fiscally sound guys in the nation. I think it was done on purpose to get to this point, to get to the political union, to get to the fiscal harmonization. That's what I think went on here. I, I'm, I like the way you're thinking. I, uh, If I'm going to listen to the IMF guy or the former guy, uh, I'm going to have to conclude that that's possible what you're saying, mm-hmm. but it may be that they've screwed it up so badly that they can't get there without having a massive depression. Uh, and by the way, that could be too. I, I, if yeah. you're going to go just take your theory to the complete limit, you have to have the massive depression, which then they that's when you can consolidate power a lot easier than when everyone's happy. Ah, well, I think that what might happen is we might see a war and the war will come between the eurozone EU members and the non-eurozone EU members. So you'll get the UK and um, Sweden. Sweden and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Switzerland. No, Switzerland's not in the EU at all. Who, who uses the, the franc? Oh, they're not, they're not in the EU. I'm sorry. You're right. So, so Switzerland, interesting. Never trusted those guys. The Swiss, the Swiss are not in the EU and neither is Norway. But you may see uh, the UK bond with other countries who are not even who don't use the euro and maybe not even in the EU at all. Uh, that's a possibility. I mean, because Sweden and uh, uh, I get I I don't even know what Finland if they use the EU. I think they do. Yeah, no, they do. They do. Um, I don't know. It's a possibility. England's always on the always seems to be part of a war <laughs> against Germany trying to save the French. Well, let's listen to what uh, this guy says about the uh, the outcome for the euro. But they've just got to... What can we do here in the United States? What can the administration do in order to try to help facilitate that? It's really limited. It's like watching a family member who's about to marry somebody they really shouldn't marry. <laughs> you can provide advice. There's not a lot more you can do. Let me just take that another step further. And Dr. Lockman or Mr. Rashid, please chime in if you'd like. But what can we do in the United States, recognizing the issues that are over in Europe right now and how potentially disastrous they could be? What can we be doing here in Congress to try to help insulate that crisis for the American taxpayer? I I think that what one can do is uh, base one's policy on realistic assumptions. I would agree with uh, Mr. Elliott that there's not much one can do about a dysfunctional political union where the problems, the political problems are huge, that I don't think that it's a question of dithering leadership. I think that it's a question that you've got electorates that really don't have their heart in wanting to bail out countries. You've got really very deep divisions how the burden should be shared politically that the Germans have got a different view of the world 
than the French do. These are very deep differences that I'm not sure that there's a whole lot that we can do to resolve. The point is they got themselves into a currency arrangement that made very little sense. They didn't play by the rules for 10 years. I don't think that you can expect a very easy solution. These problems have been building for a long, long time. And in my career at the International Monetary Fund, I've never seen such huge public finance imbalances and external imbalances in a fixed currency arrangement than we've got in Europe, you know, which doesn't give me much hope that this is going to have a happy outcome. Yeah, well, it's not uh, for uh, the slaves, but it'll have a very happy outcome for the elites. John, this has been going since 1958, since they started with the first uh, European Atomic Treaty. It's just been going on and on and on, and they've been planning this. It's planned. This is an absolute plan, and the Germans are mainly behind it, which is why they popped the 3% rule in the first place. I like it. I, like, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but you shouldn't like it. You should be outraged by it. Don't like it. Well, it is outraged. Well, it's kind of interesting to observe. I think there's a book in it. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called uh, process point violated. We're all screwed when these guys go down. Well, we, have, you know, there, there may be some thinking like that on our side of the Atlantic because we and these guys kind of they don't ever say that you know this is a great thing for the United States, but we seem to be. And I, we've discussed this on the show before that we seem because of the nature of our economy and the way we've handled it, we seem to be. We're not going to do. Avoid a, a massive downturn. I mean, that's no. not going to happen. But, no. but we seem to be somewhat armored against what could really happen. That's incredibly bad in Europe, uh, which I think is is a foregone conclusion. Now, why do you think we're somewhat armored against that? I think we're. I think because our economy is not tied to those guys. In fact, a lot of when they talk when they when there's a, there was actually a good discussion on CNN or CNBC World about uh, the fact that you know we don't have we can't be taxed when every time somebody screws up in Europe. I mean, we're not part of that system. There, I mean, I know you can see that we're trying to be dragged into it with this one world government nonsense, but except for people like Obama, perhaps, and some of the Democrats, the American public's not going for it. Well, I'll tell you that um, the way Obama I mean, is I going... Do, I, I'm a little disappointed. That, unfortunately, the clip failed. Mm. Oh, no, I, don't, I do have the clip. It's, the, it's to play the Thomas Friedman... Here's a guy, an American, uh, you know, three-time Pulitzer winner. And listen to the blather. He has a new book out. And, and, and the blather, see if you can catch kind of the one-world notion that he's pushing, because he's, he's an agendaist, we call him. The basic, the basic point we're making in the book is that we believe that the political system is completely stuck right now, okay, and that between the two parties, and it, it, the system needs a shock, that we need to open up the discussion in a certain group of areas, Bill, that, um, well, we just had at least, what are the things that I'd love to see on the table that aren't on the table right now? Carbon tax. It's, there's a whole set of issues, okay, that are just like off the table right now. And I would love to see a presidential debate, okay, with the Republican, the Democrat, and an independent candidate, okay, who brought up all these other things. Let's end the filibuster. Let's have a carbon tax. Well, this is going to happen, and I'll tell you why. As the president announced when he talked about his American Jobs Act, he said, if Congress won't do it, I will. And he's doing it. And this went kind of unnoticed by the media and by us. 
the first thing he did without congressional uh, uh, approval, vote, or even discussion was removing the uh, or giving out waivers for no child left behind. And in the past week, uh, it's completely unreported. In all of a sudden, Congress goes, whoa, 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 hold on a second. What did he just do? And now they're debating it. The next thing is, uh, you know, I'm going to give all the students, and you can re- just cross it off out of the red book. He's gonna, I'm going to help you. I'm going to bail you out of your student loans. And he's done this without congressional oversight, approval, or even discussion. He is now acting like a dictator, and he's doing it by executive order. Well, you know, one thing that's interesting, because this has been kind of, it's been mentioned, it hasn't been reported in much detail, but he did make the threat, he did it at the Oval Office, and he did it again. He said, well, they're not going to, Congress isn't going to agree with what I want, and so I'm just going to do it. And he's basically said that two or three times now, and which is essentially taking the executive order power and, and upping the ante. I have been wondering for years mm-hmm. how far this executive order idea, which has been abused by uh, a lot of the presidents, I don't know when it began. We should probably do a little research and see where you know, because I bet you there's an interesting curve. But I, from what I could tell, because I know Clinton did a bunch of weird ones that were just basically executive orders for his buddies. When it was going to be the executive order could just take care of legislation, just legislate from the from the Oval Office. I, you know, make it make it an executive order. Take that whole jobs, jobs, jobs bill. And make it an executive order. Why even give it to Congress? If you can do any executive orders, why can't you do that? The first executive order issued by George Washington. <laughs> Damn. Well, that takes that, it back to the that beginning. That would be the first guy. But on- no one's abused it. Like, the potential for abuse is there, it seems to me. Um, I think uh, Dwight Eisenhower used it to organize the intelligence agencies at the beginning of his term, and then Roosevelt uh, kicked in with a lot of them, uh, again, for the creation of agencies. This is when the uh, the surveillance state really started. So it was really around the, uh, the uh, Eisenhower era. And George Washington's executive order was instructing the heads of departments to make a clear account of matters in their departments. Like, all right. That's not such a, a huge one. It's kind of like, hey. No, it's, that's an internal thing for yeah. his own group. Yeah. Hey, it's the boss here. You go clean up your crap. Show me your spreadsheets. I get that. I get that. Well, there's a couple of things that are very worrying. Um, and uh, let me go through the PR portions and let me go through uh, the really bad portion. Uh, and I'm just going to make another prediction. It's just going to keep going. So, first of all, this executive order stuff, That's that. Uh, I really do believe that uh, – as you point out, you know we're moving towards dictatorship because that's really what it is. I mean, it's, uh, it's just hey, shut up and uh, and do as I say. So um, Obama shows up here in California, President Obama, I would like to say, and uh, he goes on the Tonight Show. And did you see this by any chance? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I had to pull a couple of clips. By the way, before you go on, yeah, because uh, I know you're going to say this, so I'm going to say it in first. This was the most rehearsed interview I have ever seen in my life. No kidding. It was like, why doesn't Leno just hold up a sheet and read from it as, you know, it was obvious that the questions were prepared by Obama. He never could. He didn't ask anything off off topic or or even an ad lib question. They were there were structured in such a way that this was not even Leno's voice. 
It was. It didn't, it, yeah. Leno talks a certain way and he has a certain yeah. patter. Yeah. This was structured in some way that was obviously done by the press. Oh, yeah, and, it was ridiculous. And, and there were no obvious questions, you know, no uh, no obvious ones. This is the closest he got to something that was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, obviously, that's this is about uh, uh, droning people and laughing about it, essentially. It's not something that I think we should uh, relish. And you know, there was a reason after bin Laden was killed, for example, we didn't release the photograph. Uh, you know, I think that there is a, a certain decorum with which you treat the dead. Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's somebody who uh, has done terrible things. Yeah, like what Hillary Clinton did. Have we all forgotten what she did? I mean, is that all of a sudden uh, we, we just don't remember that anymore? We came, we saw, he died. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, yeah, that's respecting the dead. That's respecting the dead. So then let's, uh, let's try this one out for size. How hard was it to make that decision to send in those Navy SEALs? Because that, that could have been... Could have been a disaster. I mean, it, 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 but the reason I was able to do it was... He finished the question Leno didn't finish, by the way. Of course, because he's just reading along. He, he knew what to say. When you meet these SEALs and, and you talk to them, uh, they are the best of the best. They are professional. They are precise. They practice. They train. They understand uh, uh, what exactly they intend to do. Uh, they're prepared for the worst in, in almost every circumstance. So even though it was 50-50 that bin Laden would be there, mm -hmm. I was 100% confident in them. And I could not have made that decision were it not for the fact that uh, our men and women in uniform are the best uh, uh, there is. Now, now, what are we missing from this? What are we missing Besides from this? the applause sign? Yeah, what are we missing from what he's saying? It's too bad they're all dead. Well, yeah, they, well, he missed that, yeah, the accidental death of these guys. I mean, he's just saying, and, yeah, they rock, they're awesome. Yeah, it could have been, like, uh, so tragic. He could have said anything. We have to honor people. Yeah, we got to honor dictators who get killed, but not the SEALs who kill the dictators. Blatantly rude, to well, say I the least. Well, I thought the one that Leno really, you know, again, it's rehearsed, and he was reading from a script. But the one that was really bad was when they talked about a, a Lockie, and he never mentioned, did you, did you, you know, there's a controversy over you putting out an order to kill an American citizen. <laughs> I know. And that's the obvious question. Yeah, not for a Ew, second. Not, not for a near that. second. Not for a second. But then well, here's the. Well, let me, let me just finish these up. Then Obama runs off, uh, off the rails, and he screws up the language. We, we have gone through. The worst financial crisis, the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. People are hurting out there. And they've been hurting out there for a while. And people were having a tough time even before the crisis. You know, incomes, wages were all flat. Costs of everything from college to... Incomes, wages were all flat. To health care, to, you know... Uh, uh, oh, crap, he's thinking, oh, crap, I just screwed it up. Gas to food, all of it was going up. Yeah, what happened since he got in? Did it go down, John? Did uh, insurance go down? Did uh, gas go down, or did it double? He yeah, really went up. He really screwed it up here. And so people were feeling a lot of pressure even before this crisis. And so right. and it's blaming on everybody else. You got this clip, the Libya thing. Well, now the one I see, the clip that I'm trying to, you didn't pick up on this one. I thought the most interesting clip was the one I have on Libya, where he all of a sudden, out of the blue, 
I mean, I thought this was unbelievable. I'm, when the Europeans hear this, especially the Canadian guy who's the head of NATO, the NATO forces that took this thing, this, this project on, and, all, and the French and the rest of them, out of the blue, he took, he, Obama takes credit for the whole thing as though nobody else did anything. Now, you took some heat for the whole leading from behind tactic here with Libya. I, explain that. Well, the truth was, we, you know, this was a, a phrase that the media picked up on, but okay. it's not one that I ever used. We, yeah. we led from the front. I mean, we introduced really? the resolution <laughs> in the United Nations that uh, allowed us to protect civilians in Libya. I'm badass, mofo. When... Uh, Gaddafi was threatening to slaughter them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was our extraordinary men and women in uniform, our pilots, who took out their air defense systems, set up a no-fly zone. Uh, it was uh, our folks in NATO who were helping to coordinate uh, the uh, NATO operation there. And the difference here is we were able to organize the international community. We were able to uh, get the U.N., mandate for the operation. We were able to get Arab countries involved. And so there was never this sense that somehow we were unilaterally making a decision to take out somebody. Rather, it was the world community. And that's part of the reason why this whole thing only cost us a billion dollars. And stand by applause, As opposed to a trillion dollars. Not a single U.S. troop was on the ground. Not a single U.S. Stand by applause, uh, sign in uh, five, killed, four, three, and two. That, there Good job, everybody. Let's go to commercial. I'm sorry, I was, uh, I was directing the show. So yeah, the applause was a little <laughs> offbeat. <laughs> the guy, I think a guy leaned on the button too soon, to be honest about it. But this is bull crap. I mean, when yeah. did this? All of a sudden, he comes out and he starts thump, uh, pounding his chest, and so, then bragging about how cheap it was. Oh yeah, it was cheap. So he's cheap. Cheap. He's a cheap braggart. <laughs> it was cheap, man. It was cheap. Not a problem. All right, so days, so, not months. Let's let's get off of this uh, with yeah, one. Let's get. We need to give our credit well, out. Let me ju- let me just do the last clip because this is a this is my prediction part. Here's the meme that you're going to be hearing for the next uh, so eight weeks. You ready for it? See if you can catch the meme, Johnny Boy. Oops. <laughs> I just. Ran. Oh, I hate it. All that, all that. Oh. When you do the big buildup, you always do. That. I always screw it. It's like I'm, it's like, it. like choking. Uh, but I also think that policymakers and future presidents need to understand uh, what it is that we're getting ourselves into when we make some of these decisions. And uh, you, you know, there might have been other ways for us to accomplish those same goals. Uh, but uh, you know, the the main thing right now here comes is to celebrate. Uh, the extraordinary work that uh, our men and women did, and uh, having them home for the holidays. Ah, that's it. Home for the holidays. Bring out the carpenters. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. For no matter how They're going to reissue this. This will be the theme song. Yeah, now you watch. Perry Como did the original, but I think they'll reissue the carpenters because uh, more money to be made. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, everything's about making money. Did you notice that Obama, by the way, people who listen to our show, listen for Obama. I, every time he says, look. Yeah. He said it five times, I believe. During oh, this yeah. thing, and oh, then yeah. folks. Everything <laughs> is folks. Look, folks. Our folks in the thing. Our folks in NATO. <laughs> our folks in the, you know, the military. Our folks. There's got to be a reason for that. I, I know there's a reason for it. I just don't know exactly what it is. But he keeps saying it's to bring it. I think it's to bring the discussion to kind of a homey style, since he's really kind of a, a 
a dilettante. Well, I do know whenever someone says we instead of I, that's like lying and pushing possible blame away from you. And he says we all the time, all the time. Yeah, no, he's a, he doesn't take the blame for anything, but takes the credit apparently yeah. for everything. So if you have a uh, if you have a moment, it's in the show notes three five one dot show notes dot com. Look at the Alterman report. He has another interview with the White House insider, which I think uh, really is uh, is a real insider. In fact, two weeks ago, this insider predicted this home for the holidays meme, and in addition to that, so this is not your prediction. No, I predicted... I've taken it off. What do you mean? You you ripped it off from the other guy. No, okay. Well, whichever way you want to do it. You think I'm I ripped it off? It down, but I you're going to get... You, you know. I said the Carpenter's Home for the Holidays is going to be oh, re-released. You're, you're predicting that the record's going to come yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Um, what he... Uh, the, the title of the, of the most recent interview is that Obama gets off on the drones. <laughs> That he lo- <laughs> that he loves it. Yeah, I that, think he does. He that, seems preoccupied with them. He totally gets off on the drones. And I'm like, you know, I think I think that's actually right. He's to- he's like totally into it. And then when you listen to that uh, uh, that uh, White House press corps speech, I have two words for you: predator drones. <laughs> I mean, really, he says it like he's like. <laughs> it makes him feel powerful. Anyway, we got no predator drones. But we do have some people who helped us out uh, once again this week yep. in keeping our show yes, on. Yes, we have the air. some executive and associate executive producers for today's show. I want to thank, starting with Joe Pumphrey out of Mississippi. Uh, in the morning to you both from Gitmo Nation Cotton Field. Yeah. This letter approved that your damnable jingles produce results. <laughs> Included with it will be a check for $1,111.11. amount is clearly worth the entertainment and critical thought-provoking content you provided since I started listening to the podcast in August. And the accents you provide. As I stare at my roadmap of Mississippi, <laughs> I can see that your podcast has been with me across most of the state. Ooh. I travel every weekday for my job as a bargain basement IT consultant. <laughs> we are nationwide, baby. And the show helps keep me awake. <laughs> in more ways than one. In more than one way, which is a fact. Uh, in fact, that's what we do. I'm recommending the podcast to all my friends as a refresher on civics. Your erudition on how corrupted the government has become reminds me of one of my favorite teachers from high school who admonished us that when politicians are talking, they're lying. (laughs) When they're not talking, they're scheming. (laughs) I hope my donation will go towards helping you to get through the lean months ahead. I'd like to get some karma sent to my friend, Other Joe. You've got karma. Absolutely. He's a, a police uh, going to be a police officer in Jackson, Mississippi, taking the training. Look for the murder statistic for that town. You'll see why he needs the k- karma. Mm. Uh, also, it makes me laugh for reasons I can't explain. Thank you very much. So this guy is a, is a lowly IT technician uh, on the road, and yet sees somehow able to scrape together eleven, eleven, eleven for super lucky karma and to help the show. That's awesome. That's heartwarming. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it, and uh, it's good to have uh, listeners down in Mississippi where they are skeptical of a lot of things. Yeah. Simon Reed, New York, New York, no uh, note. Uh, well, well, hold on, hold on, sir. Oh, uh, he will be a sir today. Uh, Simon, yes. Simon Reed maintains domains.nashownotes.com. Oh. Uh, so he already does, he busts his ass on the show, and he's now uh, completing his knighthood with this uh, last installment. 35148. 
Yeah, I thought we had, uh, was there no note from him? I forwarded something to Buzzkill Jr. Yeah, well, I didn't see it. Mm. Okay. There's a little K to the side here in column F. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> it's Whatever. the start of a whole paragraph. I think it's got something to do. There's a B down further. It's like code. Cloud Sigma in uh, in Deutschland. Uh, we got one of those symbols. It's some town, or that's the street, I think. 333, 33. We'll get to the bottom of that later. Uh, and they'll be all our executive producers and also uh, a couple of associate executive producers, uh, including uh, uh, one from Dirk Madro. Uh, greetings from land screwed down under. We get red, we get the red-headed dragon and a guy in speedos. At least you have cool remote-controlled <laughs> drones available at any hobby shop. Yeah. As with many, I'm a long-time boner, uh, first-time donor. I love the show, but it takes all my time and stops me listening to others. And then there is a bit where the wife growls as Adam calls us all to arms. <laughs> What? What the hell is that in the morning greeting? Who is she texting? Uh, you know, who is she texting you so late at night? Or, anyway, what? Uh, Wait a minute, I, I'm not. <laughs> what? Who is she texting? I think he's you confused. So yeah, he's adulterous. I don't know what that, what that means. All great giggles to be had. I uh, will work my way to top knighthood. This is hopefully one of my first of many contributions. So, could I have a shot at karma? I really need to get myself on track career-wise and a shout out in the morning to my son, Alexander. Karma. All right, and a shout out in, in the morning. In the morning. To his son Xander. And one of the listeners, I'm not sure this on this list, but uh, they think it's hilarious. I mean, we may come to it later, but play it anyway. Hilarious to play the Chinese version. Oh, uh, sure. Massimo Cataneo in Noosa, Queensland, $200. Uh, good day, John and Adam. Just two Australians are executive producers. Uh, long-time listener since before podcast was supported in iTunes. Please give a birthday shout-out to my beautiful daughter, Julia. We'll do that shortly. And she turns 15. And that'll be our group of uh, producers and executive producers for show... Uh, what is the show 351. Thank them. And you remind you to go to Dvorak.org slash NA, noagendashow.com. Click on the donation button or also noagendanation.com where there's a donation button and also you can get a slave t-shirt. And finally, channeldvorak.com slash NA and uh, continue to uh, support our, us in our efforts. And the uh, I understand that the uh, slave t-shirts, uh, the hot for hotties, are in the works. Those are those thinner ones, the ones that are form-fitting. Yeah. No, those are the ones that, uh, that that Miss Mickey approved. Yeah. Which uh, is uh, pretty darn awesome. Then I have, uh, let me see here. Oh, darn, I'm looking for something. I thought I had it. Anyway, uh, some PR uh, initiatives. These are usually domains that are forwarding to noagendashow.com, so you can use them at your discretion uh, based upon the situation you're in if you're promoting the show. Occupythepope.com. Uh, and then uh, I think one of my favorites, Lady Macbeth, and we have uh, multiple versions. Um, now we have Macbeth, M-A-C, as well as M-C Death, LadyMacbeth dot com. Uh, we have NoVaginaShow dot com. <laughs> ah, thank you, Sir Dwayne. We came, we saw, he died dot com. Wow, oh, wow, nice. that'll be a new one for uh, for the drones. Uh, apparently, Occupy Amsterdam is being uh, um, shortened. Do you know what the uh, uh, contraction is for Amsterdam? What? A apostrophe D-A-M, i.e. Adam. 
Yeah, and uh, Occupy Adam. Occupy Adam. So this is uh, everywhere you look in the newspapers in uh, in Gitmo Nation Lowlands. It says Occupy Adam doing well. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so our human resource uh, Matthias Jansen decided to uh, register occupyadam.com and occupyadam.nl. I appreciate that. OccupyMyCrotch.com, now also forwarding to NoAgendashow.com. You never know when that could yeah, be handy. one of our typical listeners. <laughs> typical, yeah. A waste of four ninety five, but we appreciate it anyway. EuroPrison.com, now forwarding. That's a good one. That has potential. And based upon some news, which we'll come, uh, we'll come to later in the red book, uh, just when you thought ChelseaClinton2016.com was good, it seems we need to move it up, and we have ChelseaClinton2012.com. What about 14? She could be right. She's going to run for Congress. Yeah, the Senate. She's going to run for Senate. They think Senate? Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, she yeah. can't run, no. Oh, you didn't Oh, you don't you didn't read the uh the predictions, eh? No, I read the prediction, but I, she's running for office. I didn't hear Senate. She's not going to Where? What state? What state would the elector? Well, they elected Barbara Boxer, so that I guess maybe, there's always that potential. Uh, maybe but, may, well, you, I could be wrong. Maybe it was I'm uh, not thinking Senate now. Well, let me no let me uh She's got Congresswoman written no, all over. Congressional run. I'm sorry. 18th district in Westchester County. <laughs> Remember what uh, what Lucifer said? You remember what she said? Remember yes. what she said? Here's what she said. But I noticed that Chelsea has been doing more events. We mm-hmm. saw her a couple of weeks ago doing an event with you. Do you think she has the Clinton bug for politics? I don't know. I don't. I don't have any reason to believe that. I think she does have the public service bug. Uh, yeah. There you go. Um, no, this has been all over the news in uh, in the New York area. It looks like she'll be making a run for the 18th congressional district. That's Westchester County. That's where they have a house. And this is also as predicted based upon our makeup artist who uh, did her makeup and heard her mom talking about raising money for her for her office run. Wait a minute. You're telling me that Hillary was disingenuous with that comment? She's <laughs> yeah. lying to the public? What a surprise. I can't, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty disgusting. And then we had this awesome clip from, uh, from Maynard. Um... But for some reason, I seem to have misplaced it. I'm not sure. Uh, he spoke to a former black ops guy. Uh, I'll play it as an end-of-show clip. I just have to get it from email. He uh, he spoke to a Sir, I think Sir Gavin or something or other, and Sir Gavin says, hey, in the morning to you, Maynard, and they go off on this whole tangent. On, and this is, you know, this is Maynard who works for ABC, Australian Broadcast Corporation. They right. go off on this whole crackpot buzzkill thing. Totally. <laughs> to, yeah, Sir Gavin of Melbourne, totally, totally promoting the show. It was Good. yeah outrageous. So I'll play that as an uh, an end of show clip. And uh, thank you all very much. Uh, you can find these domain names at domains.nashownotes.com. Again, thanks to our executive producers and our associate executive producers for saving our ass once again. Dvorak.org slash na. And of course, you can always do one simple thing. If you can't donate, you can go out and propagate the formula. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. Your sexy cut. Shut up, slave. I forgot to congratulate you. Thank you. On 10 years of the Patriot Act. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Radigan 
uh, celebrated this. This guy, yeah, he's he, he, he can't be long for the world. <laughs> I, I agree. Listen to what he said about well, it. Well, then again, you got to remember, since Cable Town bought MSNBC or NBC, yeah, yeah, maybe they could be. I, and they're conservative. Maybe. They're conservative, uh, family oriented. It's possible that Radigan's actually on just the opposite. In, on, in fact, I'll make this prediction: he's on the fast track to prime time. Let's listen. Well, it was ten years ago today that President Bush signed the USA Patriot Act into law, designed to give the FBI more counterterrorism power in an era of extraordinary fear immediately following 9/11 and the invasions of Afghanistan and, of course, uh, Iraq. Noble intentions, perhaps, but power as we know when it is allocated to a few without any visibility and without any enforcement mechanism for integrity can be a complicated thing at best an exquisitely dangerous one at worst and under the cloak of quote national security right now the fbi is able to invade our privacy yours and mine withhold its reasoning behind that invasion uh, searching you or me and issue letters that prohibit you or me from letting anyone know that you are being investigated sounds like a third world country doesn't it <laughs> yeah Overthrow the regime, remove the evil dictator, and implement a no-fly zone. It's not that hard, people. We you really, know, the, we really uh, need to get on this. <coughs> we did discuss this. This the, the FBI, the famous FBI letter. We because we had someone, uh, we had some clips from the guy who had actually gotten one of the letters, and then he went to his lawyer who right. wasn't supposed to, and then right. the whole thing. He ended up writing a book about it. But this is continuing, uh, and it's like it's ridiculous, and, and there's nobody's doing anything about it. The Congress is just beside you. Know, they're coke. just they're submissive. They don't care. It's, this is like the Rome default during the fall of Rome. It was the Senate. They just stopped dealing with anything except they're having a good time partying. It's actually worse. Uh, there's an, a bill now. Um, that changes the rules of the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA. Have you heard about this rule change? No, but I'm sure it's not a positive change. I guess it's a new constitutional amendment. I guess it's part of the Bill of Rights now, the right of the uh, federal government to, to lie. The Freedom of Information Act came into effect, President Lyndon Johnson, July 4th, 1966. It gives Americans the right, and really other people the right, to look into the halls of government and see what's going on. Sure. By email, by fax, by letter, send a request to Washington, to the particular agency, give me the records, they have a certain amount of days, you pay and get the records. Now, by a rule change, the Department of Justice says, we want the capacity to say that records don't exist when they do in fact exist. Now, oh, there are wait. certain exemptions under the law. <laughs> right. Law enforcement, foreign policy, personnel records, personal records involving particular sure. people. And so that exemption is built in. But the ACLU and other organizations, even middling and right. middling and right-centered organizations for openness in government are saying, listen, this is going too far. Don't explicitly say that it's going to be a policy of the federal government. Right. To say we're going to lie. So this is uh, fascinating when you read the text now, of this hold proposed on a second. bill. Wait a minute. Stop the, the presses. Yeah. I thought this was going to be the most transparent administration in the history of the United States. And, th and this is going on? This makes no sense to me. Well, it's uh, you fell right into my trap because I pulled the exact words from President Obama about the Freedom of Information Act. The way to make government... This is from 2009. ...responsible is to hold it accountable. And the way to make government accountable is make it transparent 
so that the American people can know exactly what decisions are being ma made, how they're being made, and whether their interests are being well served. The directives I am giving my administration today on how to interpret the Freedom of Information Act will do just that. For a long time now, there's been too much secrecy in this city. The old rules said that if there was a defensible argument for not disclosing something to the American people, then it should not be disclosed. That era is now over. <laughs> Starting today, every agency and department should know that this administration stands on the side, not of those who seek to withhold information, but those who seek to make it known. To be sure, issues like personal privacy and national security must be treated with the care they demand. However, the mere fact that you have the legal power to keep something secret does not mean you should always use it. <laughs> Freedom of Information Act is perhaps the most powerful instrument we have for making our government honest and transparent and of holding it accountable. And I expect members of my administration not simply to live up to the letter, but also the spirit of this law. I will also hold myself as president to a new standard of openness. <laughs> Going forward, anytime the American people want to know something that I or a former president wants to withhold, we will have to consult with the Attorney General and the White House Counsel, whose business it is to ensure compliance with the rule of law. Information will not be withheld just because I say so. It will be beheld, uh, withheld because a separate okay. authority believes my request is well-grounded in the Constitution. Let me say it as simply as I can. Transparency and the rule of law will be the touchstones of this presidency. Uh, did you hear what he said at the end there? But it's going to be the rule of law and, and transparency will be the touchstones of I this think presidency? I think he said touch tones. No, he said touchstone. No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. I think, like, he's, I think he said touch tones. Seriously. We'll play it. The touchstones of this presidency. He says touch tones. He said touch tones. You're right. He's saying touch. What the hell's a touch tone? Let me say Hold it on. as simply as I can. Transparency <laughs> and the rule of law will be the touchstones of this president. I know what touchstones are. Here's touchstones. All right, everybody, it's time to take caller 100. All right, we'll take you now on the Z100 Freedom Lines. Just listen for the touchstones. He's doing a, he was doing a radio promotion. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> justify this guy saying this one thing and then the other thing happening and that being completely, uh, completely beside themselves and the media in particular over something like this. Yeah. I mean, you heard him, what yeah. he said. Yeah. He, but there's a promise. But I know why this is being done. This is being done because now they're getting into Fast and Furious and they're getting into Solyndra and Fisker and Husker Du. And all of these different, uh, it, you know, it was yeah, 30, they got it was their tit in a ringer. Thirty-five billion dollars that this loan pro program consisted of, and people are figuring out that this went to people who bundled donations, stooges. Yeah, and uh, by the way, Kleiner Perkins up front, their investors in in Fisker Husker do half a billion dollars, and, and no matter which way you put it, Fisker Tesla, these are high-end automobiles. These are elitist mobiles. Jason Calacanis drives one of these things. This is an eighty thousand dollar car. This is not helping. No, it was over one hundred and twenty, wasn't it? Or was I it think 80? it's gone down a bit. Oh, it's gone down. I think they came out at one twenty five. The the little uh, dinky little uh, Lotus. Uh, maybe, maybe the maybe with the, the electric Fisker. engine. Let's see price. 
of Tesla. The, te- the original Tesla was one twenty five. I'm sure yeah, of it. Let me see. Let me see. The price of the Tesla. Mm, it's not really giving me that. Of course not. Before you get the battery. Mm, it doesn't say what the price is. I thought it was eighty. Maybe the Fisker is eighty. Eighty grand. But that's all. It's that's that's twice the. Oh wow! Base price of the 2013 Tesla, forty nine nine nine. Huh? Oh, they dropped it quite a bit. Oh, wait a minute! That's the car they haven't produced yet. Oh, that's that cheap, <laughs> supposed the one yeah. they'll run. There's just a prototype. Yeah, it's the no one made of. It's the one made of clay. It's a nice car. I mean, I was, they had it at the uh, Oracle. Had that car. I think I had some photos of it. I never posted them. But I went over to Oracle World. Yeah. And they take over the city of San Francisco. And they had one of those, that car because I think uh, Ellison's deep into the investing in this Dude, operation. I remember, they're going to hate me for saying this, but I don't care. I remember being invited and accepting the invite on Ray Lane's G5 jet to fly from San Francisco to, I think it was Burbank. It was Burbank or, no, it was the Long Beach and they had the Tesla, so it was like a huge elitist thing. It was like lined up. There's the e, the eBay guys playing. Like everyone's plane was there, and uh, they had <laughs> seriously. And they had Teslas, and you would wait in line. And they had drinks and everything, and then you'd get in. You know, almost like have a, a few drinks first. Yeah, like a carnival ride, and you get in li- and you get in line, and then you step off a little podium into the car, and then you wait for the next one to come along, and then it was your turn, and then you'd ride around the the tarmac. They had a you know like Top Gear. They had. A whole part of the track. track. Yeah, and this was this was the investor scam. And you know, this also got them the money. A huge elitist thing. Did you go? I told you, of course I went. You crazy? Oh, so you drove the Tesla you could no, you even no, get in no, one? I did not. I did not get in one. Why? I didn't want, I don't stand in line for anything. Uh I did, however, so fly. You're telling me there's a bunch of guys. I flew flying up. with their private jets standing in line. Yeah, to to ride a Tesla. And then they were putting up on the board who had bought one. On, oh, on a brother. big LED board. That is that's like something you find it that's like something you find out in Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got a pig for sale. We got the big <laughs> we got a pig right here, big fat big fat pig. Now anybody wants to buy this pig? It's like a put your name on the list. Like the Meekum's auto auction. They do that too. We gotta buy her over here, we gotta buy her. <laughs> So who who was there that bought one? Oh, everyone was there. Bezos. He bought one. Yeah, but you couldn't. I don't think you could fit in one of these things. It's a it's a it's a it's no, a I don't, lotus. I don't, I don't fit in the lotus. A little body. lotus body. The no. thing's dinky. No, but I'm, I wasn't interested. I, I, no, the well, reason I went I just is wanted a free ride. You're just more interested in the G5. I sat up front in the G5, and it was just so hilarious. And it was with Bloom and Marta. So it was like four people in a G5, which holds twenty people. And it's how disgusting it is. Uh, but I like Ray Lane, by the way. He's a, he's a good guy. You know, like hey, I'll ride in your jet. So I flew. I flew jump seat in the cockpit. This is brand new, and these pilots are all cocky, you know, like yeah. And uh, Ray Lane's in the back, and I so I didn't see this, but he, you know, they're drinking scotch and stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm not. I don't need to wear my seatbelt on my own plane. And they land, and for some reason, uh, the the brakes were on lock when they landed, so the rear wheels hit the tarmac, and boom. The nose wheel slams down. Apparently, Ray Lang went flying through the entire cabin with a scotch all over him. <laughs> Rolling <stuff>. down the <laughs> aisle. Yeah, yeah. And those guys are like, it was, the whole thing was embarrassing. You know, they were like showing off. You know, I got my license. Like, yeah, yeah we're, you, know, you propeller boy, you helicopter boy, watch us. Boom! I almost broke the nose, the nose gear off. <laughs> that was a funny little bit. 
Yeah. Anyway, right. anyway, so that's why I think this uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, change bill has been implemented to cut as a, as part of a government massive government cover up is what you're accusing this. this yes, of. of course, of course, it's massive. Now the other thing that's happening is uh, uh, remember we talked about um, possible race uh, race wars, uh, the race card being used particularly by the Obama administration, uh, to incite As violence. As a last-ditch last effort to win. Yeah, I think, I think we're something. getting there. I think we're getting there. And well, we have to make a decision whether we think he's going to run or not, for one thing. And I, well, I have kind of a, a double whammy. It might be possible that... Uh, you know, I think Valerie Jarrett is the only original person left in the White House, and she's so desperate... She may actually try some kind of false flag event where the president is at least threatened uh, under a racial attack. And that will uh, either that can swing it either way. Either that will make him incredibly strong and everyone will want to, you know, oh, yeah, we support him. Vote him in again. Or uh, it will be a reason for him to quit. Uh, I do think it's starting here. Alan Grayson, who uh, he's a Democrat, isn't he? Yep. And he's on board with the program. Here's what he was saying on MSNBC. Oh, I mean, for Paul Ryan or any Republican to talk about this, to talk about the president inciting the politics of division, is much like O.J. saying that he's going to devote his life to finding the real killer. They're the real killers. That's a that's a, them fighting words. <laughs> he's saying Republicans are racists and they're killers. Found that to be yeah, disturbing. that's probably one of the reasons. You know, Grayson was a uh, was a t- it was a hot item for a while, and then uh, no, he went. Then it was like, whoop, who cares? Then he got finally people figured out that he's just a, a troublemaker, and they yeah. got rid of him. Yeah, yeah, he's quite a troublemaker. But uh, I th- I think we might uh, we might see that as the pivotal moment, and of course, this whole bailout of the student loans is an obvious attempt at, uh, and of course, it doesn't start until 2012, an obvious attempt at getting young voters. Vote for me, I'll give you cash. I don't see it any other way. It's, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a bribe. It's a total bribe. Vote for me, yeah, I'll give you, you cash. Why would you push this off to 2012? And then, by the way, when 2012 comes around, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, sorry, we tried. Yeah, good luck there. Suckers. <laughs> Why not? Why, I mean, what else would you do? Of course. Well, they always do this. Just like, um, did you hear you about... The football is what it really is. Just like NATO. Did you read about what NATO said? <laughs> uh, we've made a decision. Uh, we're going to stay in Libya. Very <laughs> important. <laughs> really? Huh. Oh, huh? I, 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 Who would have thunk it? I, somehow. I, di- I didn't expect that. Why would that have ever happened? Let me see. I have the... Uh, NATO's the NAC will meet with partners on Friday, that's tomorrow, to discuss our Libya mission and take and take a formal decision. Uh, it's an ongoing process in the UN Security Council. Uh, U.S. Defense Secretary Liam Panetta said Tuesday morning to visit Japan that some of the Libya's leaders had called for NATO to continue its mission during this interim as they tried to establish some new governance. Uh, so it looks like... Uh, uh, here we go. NATO official... Who could not be identified understanding rules. What the hell does that mean? What kind of rule is that? Is that like a freedom of information rule? I don't know. Said the alliance has not received any formal request from the Libya Libya's tran oh, the Libya's transitional government to prolong its air and naval patrols past the end of the month. So someone's lying. Go figure. 
but meanwhile, they are not halting their uh, no-fly zone and, I guess, drone attacks. I don't know. And, of course, the obvious NATO troops on the ground was now popping up in YouTube videos everywhere. I mean, I can't. And this, it makes no sense to use any of that on the show because of the audio nature of it. But just uh, Google uh, NATO troops in Libya, and you'll see all kinds of you know guys you know moving out of the shot in the background. You're like, Ooh, you know. Well, <laughs> like, look, according to Obama, since we're running the whole thing in NATO, yeah, not a single boot on the ground. How could that be? It doesn't mm. make sense. Somebody's lying to us. You think? Well, how about Lucifer? I think she may be lying. Uh, she was asked on uh, Fox News by the guy who used to be, uh, who's that guy who used to be like on CBS or NBC or something? Chris Wallace? Is that his name? Uh, well, it could be. I mean, if that's who you're talking yeah, about. I think it is. He asked her about her uh, her quote, which I'm calling Feeny Feedy Killy. We came, we saw, he died. <laughs> <laughs> Question, uh, do you regret what you said, Secretary? Well, and uh, if I may, do you regret what you said? And do you feel Gaddafi was wronged or that he got what was coming to him? Now, what a setup. He basically gave her an opening to completely skirt around the entire issue, which she does ad nauseum. Luckily, Chris comes back in the end. Well, let's have an investigation. Yes, I fully support the United Nations investigation, and I fully support uh, the Transitional National Council's uh, own call for an independent investigation. Right. I support it on the merits uh, because it's important to Answer the question. Uh, find the facts, and I support it as part of what will be a challenging transition process. You know, the uh, Transitional National Council today is uh, going to declare the liberation of Libya. They are then going to uh, announce a new government. They need to make it clear that it will be a government uh, to unify the country, to seek reconciliation, uh, to make everyone uh, who supported the former regime, as long as they... By now, of course, like, what was the question? ...don't have blood on their hands, feel safe and included in a new Libya. And so from, uh, from my perspective, I think such an investigation uh, would be very important to establish accountability, rule of law, and pave the way for the inclusive the uh, democratic future that the Libyans tell me they want. Secretary, do you regret what you said? Well, I, you know, I'm not going to comment on that. You <laughs> didn't even know what was happening at that time because it was an unconfirmed report. <laughs> What? what kind of an answer is that? I'm not even sure. Who do you think you are? I'm not even going to comment on that because it was an unconfirmed rumor at the time. A democratic future. Unconfirmed rumor at the time, so I'm not even going to comment on that. What you said? Well, I, you know, I'm not going to comment on that. We didn't even know what was happening at that time because it was an unconfirmed report. What does that mean? I don't know if it was confirmed. Then she would have what commented. Does it make? What does it make whether it's confirmed or not? She, did you regret saying it is the question and I she know. won't say. And, and Wallace She obviously doesn't regret no, it. No, of course not. she hasn't got the guts to say that. There's only one thing I have heard Hillary Clinton, Lucifer herself, Lady Macbeth, say that is the truth, and that's this. But now, you know, I want to try some other things. I want to get back to writing and maybe some teaching, working on women and girls around the world. That's, that's exactly. the only thing that's the truth. On yeah, a work she wants to work on some women and girls. Around the world. <laughs> around the world. <laughs> Try to catch up to Bill. He's got a huge bunch of yeah, uh, he, 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 scalps on his... Uh, yeah, they're like in competition who gets the most babes. I want exactly. <laughs> she was on the BBC, and we've talked about hubris before. 
about the techno experts, about our own State Department training. Um, Twitterers. Twitterers. Uh, Facebook. And, I mean, she, I was blown away by this. Now, you have, there's, there's one little a side note to this. Uh, you might have seen the article. Um, the article that came out was from, uh, I think it was actually, I think the State Department might have released this. The equipment developed by California-based Blue Coat Systems is allegedly being used by Syria's autocratic government to block access to the Internet and crack down on dissidents who have been protesting against President uh, Assad for nearly eight months. Are you familiar with Blue Coat uh, Systems? No, but I just want to throw in as an aside when when, you know, we're talking about the Oakland riots earlier and there was a thousand people. And then yesterday after they cracked heads, there were three thousand. And then as the night fell, Twitter went down. Oh, oh, this happens all the time. So I I believe this is a, uh, you know, the State Department's like, yeah, we're going to look into this. We can't have American companies selling uh, stuff to uh, countries to, you know, block the Internet. And then I look at uh, bluecoat.com, Bluecoat Systems, uh, a list of their clients, Air National Guard, Army Internet Cafe, Army Operations Center, CENTCOM, Central Intelligence Agency, Defense Commissary, uh, Defense Information Systems Agency, Department of Defense, uh, Dependent Schools, Department of Energy, Department of Homeland Security. Of course they're doing These guys are, these, these are the guys. <laughs> they sell the boxes. And then Hillary goes on the BBC, and I think she's tired, and I think she's like, man, no one gives a crap, these damn Brits, who cares? No one in America is watching this. We're doing a lot of work to try to come up with technologies that can circumvent the jamming and the inter- The jamming. Don't be jamming the interwebs. Corruptions and the tracking that uh, the tracking. Uh, regime are engaged in right now. We are providing technology, some of which, uh, you know, is more effective than others. We are certainly training people. No! Uh, what country do you think she's talking about? A lot of countries. Iran. Uh, both outside and inside to uh-huh. be training. Uh, able to use technology to circumvent. This is one of my highest priorities. Yeah, you know, I've know. spoken out repeatedly about the right of people to have access to the internet. It is freedom of speech and expression and assembly values that we think except in America. Every human being is entitled to. But we have also seen the regime uh, in Iran impose what amounts to an electronic curtain. It's the 21st century century equivalent of the barbed wire and the fences and the dogs. The fences and the, the dogs, dogs and, and the barbed the wire and the, and the moats. This and is the, this is her analogy to the jamming. <laughs> the moats, the fences, and the barking cats, and the and boiling the oil, people. <laughs> and the spears and the arrows that the old Soviet Union used, because they come at it from the same mentality. They want totalitarian control over what you learn and what you say and even what you think and how you worship and all the things that go to the heart of human dignity Hello. and human freedom. <laughs> So, yes, we are, are doing everything we can. Now, I will quickly add that, that that we're experimenting. You know, sometimes we think something will work. It turns out not to work. Like uh, everyone's, uh, make everyone's icon green. Sometimes we get, you know, maybe a year ahead of the regime's efforts, and then they catch up, and we have to go back to the drawing boards. But I want to assure your 
uh, viewers. Here in this third world country known as Britain, your viewers. That we are committed to doing everything we can to provide as much communication freedom inside and outside of Iran to uh, people trying to speak out for their rights as possible. How unbelievable. So, uh, just an aside here. Uh, I think there's some irony in the name Blue Code because let me just read from the Blue Code of Silence entry in the Book of Knowledge. Oh. The Blue Code, and, and when you hear it, you realize code what it or is. Blue the Blue Code, code of Silence, hold also on, known as the Blue Shield, is an unwritten rule among police officers in the United States not to report on another colleague's errors, misconducts, or crimes. It's Blue Coat. No. But that has other implications. Who were the Blue Coats? Well, let's find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going Consult to the Book of Knowledge. Book of Knowledge! The Blue Coats. So, uh, I think Blue Code would have been better. Yeah, no, I agree. I was just I, I tried to stop you before you put your foot in your no, That's mouth. okay. I, I can go off the deep end. It doesn't make any difference. I wonder who, uh, who invested in them. Let's Here's see. Blue Coat Systems. And they're curious. They have a, a, a police badge as yeah, their logo. <laughs> curious. So, I, maybe I'm not too far off. <laughs> let's see who's in management. <clears throat> uh, board of Directors. You're out of Sunnyvale. This is a good thing. Yeah. It used to be called Cash Flow. I guess they gave up on uh, whatever that was. <laughs> what, whatever, sort of a, whatever business. They're they make public. a canine web proxy. That's what they do. Canine hey, dog. Hey, they're public. We should invest NASDAQ, in these guys. BCSI. Yeah, 16 bucks. So you can go look them cents. up and see who the bosses are. Uh, yeah, I'd like to know who uh, who their investors are. That would be kind of cool. Well, the public is. No, but uh, these guys have angels or uh, A round, you know. For, I think they're all, that's been long. That was when they were cash flow, and I think that's long over. It would be nice to know. I don't think their investors are meaningful. Mm. Well, Syria using American software to censor internet experts say, Blue Coat <laughs> denies sale to Syrian censors. We didn't do it. <laughs> We're not. Blue Coat Systems acquires S7. Mm. Blue Coat competes acquisition of Packeteer. These guys are grabbing things up left and right. Yeah, they're, they're, are you kidding Net me? cash. They're rocking it. These Bandwidth are... police helps corporate net keeps corporate networks humming. <laughs> Blue coat systems corporate. Uh, this might be a good investment. Yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just love how she just says, "Yeah, we're training. Yeah, we're training people in Iran. Don't worry about it. We're training them. It's just it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we got all kinds of systems. We're we're badass that way." Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that's uh, we're going to be sent. We're censored here. It's just a foregone conclusion before they turn on the and just you know, all you can. If, you, if you're not going to the Amazon.com site to buy some refill ink cartridges, you're not going to get on the net. Definitely, it's going to push push us out of business at some point. I want to remind people that one of the reasons that you, you listen to the show is so you can make sure that I mean, everybody who likes the show thinks along a certain line of you know reasonable deconstruction of when they so they're 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 not believing all the bull crap but i honestly believe and I, and between you and me if it was a lot of the times i'll go off the off the track very easily but you have your attitude about stuff and i'll be a return to the more sensible view <laughs> and i think working to get i think what's one of the reasons i show where you just have one guy blathering never works because he can be just as easily swayed it's extremely powerful 
the media messaging and everything that goes on outside this show. Oh, it's very, very powerful. Much more powerful than what we do. All we can do is kind of you know slap people around a little bit to try to keep them uh, noticing that uh, Obama keeps saying, look and folks, for some unknown reason. But um, Well, on that note, uh, I have two clips. Normally, this is your gig. I have two clips from uh, high, highly rated dramatized series that propagate the means, memes of the police state. Uh, the first one is uh, Dexter. This is from uh, the most recent episode. Actually, yes, we believe that's our killer signature. So if you see something, say something. And now that I listen to that clip, it is so weird, the cadence of this actress's voice. It's almost like it was dubbed in later. So if you see, it's like said so clearly. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's like it was looped. Actually, yes, we believe that's our killer signature. So if you see something, say oh, yeah. something. It's yeah. a whole different uh, audio background, too. Yeah. So no, if you see something, say something. At all. But it's like, the ambience it, is different. But it's almost like, like she's mind-controlling me. So if you see something, say something. I believe that's our killer so signature. So if you see something, repeat after me. So if you see something, say something. So if you see something, say something. Now, that was bad. But man, the the whammy came from uh, the mentalist. Before it's a crime, it's pre-crime. I thought I saw something in Tibbs' eyes yesterday, but I wanted to make sure, so last night I did. What'd you see? He's a man on autopilot, set to kill. If we weren't there to stop him yesterday, I'm confident he would have pulled the trigger. You got all that from his eyes? Pretty much. I'm not doubting you, I'm just fascinated. Well, there was the tension in his body as well, and the overcoat, but uh, the eyes were enough. Well, the trouble is, I mean, even if you are right, we can't arrest an offender before he's offended. It's better than after, no. don't you think? No. Yeah, you can't, yeah, I saw that episode. Better I than after. Of that clip. Better than after, don't you think? Don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I was kind of a, a put back, put off by that too. It was a, definitely a pre-crime uh, message. And you liked uh, the Mentalist. That's one, oh, yeah. that's one of your yeah. favorite shows. Yeah, yeah. It's probably why he didn't pull that quote, that clip. He said, no, no, maybe the guys, maybe it's just some Joker writer that's not getting it, or or he's been convinced that, or maybe it was I don't know. I, I didn't. Lo- I was very upset by that myself. Yeah. There was a very interesting uh, discussion. Uh, one of our producers. Uh, I think posted this on noagendanewsnetwork.com. And uh, he said, you know, with his specific instructions, what to clip. This was a conversation about uh, the CDC and vaccines. I think it was from C-SPAN. And uh, this goes right into how mainstream media of all forms, not just television, not just news, but also movies, are being manipulated uh, to propagate an agenda, uh, regardless of what the agenda is and whether we agree with it or not, which we don't. I think I can safely say. Uh, I'd like you to listen to uh, this bit about the movie Contagion. Now, we've discussed this, uh, this movie being basically uh, a whole uh, vaccine, you know, get your vaccine, get your flu shots. But I didn't know that it went to this level. This is a, it's, it's a two-minute clip, but well worth listening to. Um, it's interesting. We had a discussion before this, this started. And one of the real problems today that didn't exist 25 years ago is the Internet. I mean, it's a great thing, but problem. it's a problem. Because the problem. once you're on the Internet, you're there. And 
you know, the, I, I was saying to somebody, I, I, um, you know, you can go and search on vaccines, and some of the sites that will pop up have names like the National Center for Immunization, which turns out to be an anti-vaccine site. It sounds like it's, so unless you know you're at the Center for Disease Control, the World Health Organization, or Gavi, or something else. Ministry of Truth. A lot of misinformation spreads. And so even though the, the Andrew Wakefield, Andrew Wakefield, not Steve, um, paper was um, uh, withdrawn, um, that information continues to circulate and, and people still talk about it. I'm sorry, this is hey, actually... Hey, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. You're going to have to back it up because he said something and then he had like a little subliminal thing that he threw in. Like Andrew Wakefield, not Steve? Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I wonder what that was about. Who's Steve Wakefield? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'll look him up in the book of knowledge while you do So want. I'm sorry, this is actually the Inside CFR podcast. This is a, so it was on C-SPAN, but this is uh, the podcast version of the Council on Foreign Relations, one of my favorites. And, oh, your buddies. Yeah, and now you're about to hear um, Sophie Delaunay, Sophie Delaunay, who's uh, executive director of the U.S. section of Doctors Without Borders, which we have lauded in the past, and I'm about to change my entire opinion. So what we need is a, a an information campaign. Unfortunately, governments are at an all-time low in terms of their own um, you know, uh, confidence levels, and so it's hard to get the message out, but we have to keep going at it. And by the way, it isn't only, we talked about it in Marin County. Um, the reason polio broke out in northern Nigeria was because of problems with um, an anti-vaccine movement there related to concerns, you know, religious leaders had on what was being done. We've had the same thing happen recently in Pakistan. We had a situation where, you know, the military used uh, immunization as a potential way to try to get into and get samples of um, bin Laden's family. So this is a risky compact. If you think about it, you go into people's houses, strangers, and you say, hopefully the female vaccinator says, you know, I'm here, I'm going to inject this thing into you. You have to trust me, it's safe, because we tell you it's safe. And any of these breaks in confidence are huge problems. I should just know, that's one of the reasons that in, when we, I was an advisor on the movie Contagion, we made Jude Law's character, the blogger, the bad guy. And what's been very interesting since oh. is that the blogging community that deals with health-related stuff on a very active basis has largely supported um, the portrayal of Jude Law's character. Wow. Wait a minute. She says that the blogging community – okay, so the bad guy is the blogger, and the blogging community – to, to, to add insult it. to injury, let's put it that way. She says that blogging community – I guess she knows who, if there's a spokesperson, I don't know yeah. who it is. Yeah. Uh, who supports the bad guy, uh, the blogger's a bad guy? Even worse, she says, when I was a consultant, that's why we made Jude Law. That's because they fund, I guess they funded the movie. That's why we made Jude Law. And this is, she's from Doctors Without Borders, which frightens me. Hey, listen, listen to her again. That's, I, I should just know, that's one of the reasons that. In, when we, I was an advisor on the movie Contagion, we made Jude Law's character, the blogger, the bad guy. That's pretty heavy. That's one of the reasons we did it, to mind control you. So bloggers are bad guys? Yes. Well, no, not according to the spokesperson of bloggers. We all agree. You know, it's obvious the science is in. Interesting. Well, that's depressing. 
<laughs> Council on Foreign Relations and Doctors Without Borders. That's that that depressing. Well, we have to find a new a new uh, charity. <laughs> yeah, we do. And there was more vaccine news. But a government advisory panel recommended today that in addition to young girls, boys as young as 11 should be vaccinated against HPV, the human papillomavirus, to protect against certain forms of cancers. Meantime, a heated debate is raging over whether to test the anthrax vaccine on children to see whether it would <laughs> safely protect them against a bioterrorism attack. Good idea. <laughs> That's a, that anthrax vaccine, even the military guys don't want to use it. No, of course not. You don't want to be shot up with some test vaccine. And what's it's, happening now in uh, the United States of Europe, they are now uh, working on legislation that um, makes children children's medical files, when they're 15, private. So parents, it literally says this, parents will not be allowed to access their child's medical file when they once they turn 15 and this of course is all to you know the same thing that happened in california once you're 12 you know you can go get a, a flu shot or an hpv shot without telling your parents this is the biggest growth market for the pharmaceutical industry is children and shooting them up with stuff that they you know the, the stuff well, that yeah they we've may already seen i mean it, they've already doped them up with stuff. I mean, essentially, every kid who's who's hyper, you know, hyperactive kid, which is seems like a natural thing, you know, they give Ritalin and everything else they can to keep them so they they're they're passive and submissive in class, and it's less of a hassle for the teacher. So you keep the kids on drugs. You, you claim they have all kinds of ailments when they don't. They're just kids. Last week, the American Academy of Pediatrics revised its ADHD treatment guidelines, giving doctors a green light to prescribe drugs even to preschoolers. Oh, God. <laughs> really? Yes. Preschoolers, if they have ADHD. The preschoolers are supposed to be morons. You're supposed to go. What are they supposed to be? Albert Einstein, who, by the way, never spoke until he was like in the yeah. some later years, yeah. which means he would have been doped up, and we never would have had an Albert Einstein because they would have given him some drugs. This is the American Academy of Pediatrics who have revised their treatment guidelines. Saying there are, there, the drug companies have bought and sold these people. It's a scandal. It's it's it goes beyond scandal in my book, John. This is this is an, a complete outrage. It's an outrage. It, it drug up kids with Ritalin when they're in preschool. How old is a preschooler? Two, three, four. Well, it would be any age before you know kindergarten. Huh. So it could be like one, <laughs> or just out of the just <laughs> just born. <laughs> Mrs. Smith, we're so sorry. Your brand new baby is uh, is crying. I think it's got uh, ADHD. Yeah, it's we, crying too much. Yeah, it's crying too much. We're going to give your baby some uh, some uh, Ritalin. Oh, thank Won't you, doctor. Cry so much. Oh, thank you, doctor. You like that? That's so nice. Thank you, Whatever doctor. Whatever the doctor says, I'll do. There's another scam which I'm very upset about that I have now tracked in four different cases here in California. Here's how it goes. Um. Woman goes to get a pap smear. They call you on Monday early, say, oh, you might have precancerous cells. We have to do a biopsy. Then they do the biopsy. And then it's like, well, you know, we got to keep an eye on it. You got to have a biopsy, a pap smear test every month and a biopsy every three months. And this is all part of this HPV scam and it's insurance fraud. 
It's in, and these are these are young women under thirty, and it's well known that uh, this is why insurance rates are so high. Yeah, pap smears. It's just everything's an insurance fraud, basically. It's well known that pap smears in women under thirty can w- uh, vary wildly. Yeah, you because know, there's all kinds of hormones going on there. You know, and then it, I mean, biopsies like it's, it's, it's disgusting. It scare the crap out of them. Oh, it, just, it scares the crap out of them. That's for sure. And this what? is this is and this is going on all the time, and it's the same thing. And then at the end of that, it's like you know, you really, you really should get the uh, Gardasil vaccine. You know, you really should. And by the way, your boyfriend, you should probably have it too. Yeah, in case there's like oral sex going on or something. Yeah, <sighs> uh, well, <laughs> great medical establishment. Yeah, but self policing. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, just makes me nuts. Any more good news? Oh, I got tons of good news. I got, okay. uh, this was kind of, kind of cute. If you want something cute. You want something cute? No. Okay. Then you, I did get a clip that I lost. I'm going to explain it to people. And unfortunately, I erased it. It really irks me. But I got, somebody's got to get this clip because it was, uh, it's Rick Perry Saying constitution, you can't say the word constitution. Constitution. It's the constitution. I can't even do it. It's so so ridiculous. But anyway, I'm sorry. Well, uh, it's interesting because uh, there's a there's a lot of talk now about the debates, and that Rick Perry is probably not going to show up in a couple of uh, the, you know this. They're doing thirty debates in total. Oh, his numbers will go up if he doesn't show up. Yeah, but what's happening is the the Hollywood industry is freaking out because if they don't have Perry to paré uh, Romney, they got no show. This is why people are tuning in. So I think that Perry is holding out saying, you know what, uh, you want me to do all your damn shows? I mean, it's like every channel gets a shot. I mean, this is such a bullcrap yeah. thing. I believe there was even one on Bloomberg. Oh, yeah. That's the next one, right? I think the one on Tuesday. No, no, they already on Bloomberg. did the Bloomberg They did the Bloomberg one? one? Yeah, got, nobody watched it. No. Well, uh, pro- they probably got better ratings than they usually get. Oh, yeah. But now Perry is saying, you know, uh, I'm not going to participate in this. And, of course, he's not going to do it until he gets some, like, a special, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, like, uh, on the road to the White House thing. This is, this is so obvious, this manipulation that's going on. And so the, the you know, the, the Hollywood guys are flipping out. They're like, oh, what are we going to do? We we, we got to have the, we got to have our main star in there. Yeah, he is the star. So that you know that's why they're you know they're pulling Herman Cain. You watch Herman Cain's going to get busted for being a lobbyist, and that's coming. They got to they got to spike it. You know, it's like we've seen it now. We've seen the questions. The last one was the who's mowing your grass. Of <laughs> the grass. Yeah, you know, now it's going to be uh, you, your guy smoking in the ad. It's like we're so we're. Uh, <sighs> We're kept so dumb. So, uh, front page of the New York Times. We should have brought brought this up a few minutes ago. China reigns in entertainment and bloggers. So, they're going after the bloggers. I guess they've got... uh, They're also... uh, Political censorship in this authoritarian state remains absolute. But for years, the Communist Party has a tolerant, creeping liberalism in popular culture, tacitly allowing everything from popular knockoffs of American Idol-style talent shows to freewheeling microblogs. Huh. Now, that's enough, they said. 
Enough, enough of those freewheeling microblogs. We'll not have any of that. And uh, apparently there's some sort of a menace of uh, noisy birds <laughs> in Terre Haute, Indiana. Front page news. Uh, now you're really stretching. No, it's front page news on the New York Times. Angry. I think it's just a plug for angry birds. So I got the. I went to the Chrome browser. Yeah. Have you ever used it? Uh, once. They have apps. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And they have Angry Birds. Yeah, you can play it on Chrome. I know. Why can't you just play it on any browser? I mean, what's the deal? It's just it's just a flash animation. I don't get it. Well, I think no. I think you've said it. It's a deal. It's a it's a Google deal to get you to use the Chrome browser, which. Uh, Calls back to home base on everything you're doing. I finally, okay. I, I finally, you know, I use Firefox and I, uh, I just blocked all Facebook cookies because I was tired. You know, every page you land on that has a like button, you get the Facebook cookies. I'm just blocking it now. No more. You know, I can't log into Facebook, but boo hoo, <laughs> boo hoo. What are they cooking you for constantly? To track you across all sites to sell you, biosh. I was sell you what. I don't know. Ads. They don't need to track you to do that. No, I'm just saying. I was wrong, though. Uh, I thought that the uh, outburst of vagina, the use of the word vagina on network television, uh, was to prepare us for the uh, coming of vagina-based ads. I was wrong. Uh, because we're also going to have... Go back to the book and find no, it in here. No, don't cross it out. Let me finish. Uh, I think we're going to have uh, not only the use of the word vagina in advertising, but also use of the word penis. Because under the wire, which totally discredits the entire uh, uh, New York Times article that said, oh, you know, women are now producing shows, they're empowered, and we have to use the vagina word. I'd say it's kind of a toss-up between vagina and penis, as this montage proves. A penis. Vaginas. A penis. A vagina. Penis. Vagina. Penis. Vagina. Penis. 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 Vagina. Penis. 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 Vagina. Penis. 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 Vaginas. Penises. Vaginas. Penis. 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 Vagina. Penis. 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 Penis, penis, penis. Vagina? The last guy I dated never liked going to new places. Sounds like a guy with a really big penis. <laughs> One thing's for sure, it's hilarious. Yeah, I'm laughing like there's no tomorrow. That's a lot of penis. So uh, October 13th, you made the prediction that the vagina meme would, within six weeks, would appear in advertisements. Well, we already had an ad uh, a couple of shows ago, which was the uh, uh, My V. Uh, which was a, a diary written by a vagina. Now we're just waiting for the actual use of the word. So I have, what, three more weeks? Yeah, it looks like it. Mm -hmm. And this is just to prove that there is a red book. I know I, people have been promising to take a picture of it, but I haven't. The red book, this red book is almost full, by the way. Well, one thing's for sure, we ain't getting any money from the vagina industry. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. We do have some people to thank this week for uh, helping us keep the show going uh, and helping, actually helping themselves because this is essentially uh, the twice weekly reminder that we're inundated with bull crap. Mm. Uh, 
uh, and we need to be constantly slapped in the face to uh, to you know not fall. Tr- we could be, anyone could backslide into thinking you know pre no agenda thoughts. Oh, it's very easy. Yeah, I could. It could happen to me. I, I just said earlier. So uh, it's like the show helps me, as a matter of fact, but it also helps the, the people that are supporting us. I'd like to, to mention a uh, an on-the-spot uh, personal donation at the start of uh, our segment here, John. You got cash from somebody that came up to you? Uh, I did not miss Mickey. Uh, she was in Austin uh, for two days uh, doing she was setting up the Ford operating base for Camp MoFo. And uh, she uh, hung out with a couple of our producers who we also met on the uh, Hot Pockets tour, Mike and Jane, and they donate $111.11 on the spot tour. Uh, and we uh, are very, very appreciative of that. Well, I put you ahead of me again. Although there was something weird. So you were leasing this place, obviously. And the owner uh, came by while well, Mickey, because you know, we want the walls painted a different color. Uh, and so she's she's organizing that, and there's a bookcase that has to be put in. And the owner comes by, and you know what he says to Mickey? In the morning? Exactly. <laughs> he says, in the morning. And Mickey's like, what? In the morning? He says, really? Camp Mofo? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Camp Mofo. He's like, it's Casa di Tarantula. Uh, okay, we'll stick Casa with Camp. Casa di Tarantula. I know, I know. Which isn't bad either, if you think about it. Well, I, I might stick with the original, but he was like, really? Camp Mofo? Really? So the guy's a listener. How cool is well, that? he is now. No, I, he's probably I, just doing due diligence. He, he's, he's, he's listening. He probably works for NSA for all you know. So um, in the morning, John and Adam, uh, this is uh, Danny Haynes and Grace Staines. Grace what it says. Grace has Grace Stonis, I think, but Grace Stains, New Southwest, uh, New South, whatever Wales, it is, Wales, New South Wales, in Australia. One hundred forty-four dollars in the morning. John Adam made a donation for my birthday on twenty-seventh October. My birthday present to you. After adding my birth year and my age, I was amazed. I say amazed <laughs> to find that it added up to one hundred and eleven. Nah. I have thrown in another thirty-three dollars for my age dot for my age. Look at. All the threes here, three ones, one, 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 three, three, and one, four, four equals 12 times 12, and one plus two equals three. <laughs> Some things I like about the show. One, the fun and snappy jingles. Two, the mocking commentary during clips. And three, when Adam and John go deep on researching some story, providing insightful analysis, and then climax with a rant and a jingle. I've been listening to the, there's our formula. Climax rant with a rant. A jingle. Climax, rant, jingle. Ah, it's the breakfast of champions. I have been listening to the show since episode 94 and was hooked at the introduction. I have since listened to the entire back catalog and found it to be very entertaining due to longer term. Na- this guy must be a commuter. Yeah. Due to longer term nature of your analysis, much of the back catalog is evergreen. Thanks for the show. Your humble slave, Danny. Thank you, Danny. Fran, Dame Francine Hardaway from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, came in with $111.11, as did uh, Yap Gilhood. Failhut. 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 Hail the foot. Hail the foot in Antwerp. <laughs> uh, $111.11. Robert Simpson, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, $111.11. So Dennis Price, Pine Grove, California, 8110 
Uh, Tim Gillen in Randwick, New South Wales, 80. James Green, Mesquite, Texas, $62. Request karma for my mother who passed away on October 24th. Less than a week after her 75th birthday, this will hopefully grease the palm of the people in charge of good seating in heaven. All right. Hold on. Let's, let's do that right now. You've got <laughs> karma. Uh, enjoy your seat, Mom. I uh, love you guys. The first thing I listened to after finding out was No Agenda, episode 350. Oh, he's brand new. Yeah, I guess. Cool. Bradley Nelson, Monmouth, Monmouth, Illinois, fifty-five, fifty-five in the morning. Gentlemen, I just want to tip my hat to John for sticking up for the farmers in the fields on episode 348. Being a grain farmer myself, using precision egg tech, I wouldn't appreciate having light square affect the performance of our costly machinery slash tech. Besides helping stop driver fatigue throughout our long days in the field, GPS guidance also helps us generate yield maps, how many bushels per acre we're producing, and minimize excess costs from overlaps. Uh, Since big companies like Monsanto are giving us the shaft with the peak prices of seed, fertilizer, and other inputs. Interesting, that's the term they use. Yeah, inputs. Inputs. We need to use precision ag to minimize our inputs while maximizing our outputs. A.K.A. Just, <laughs> just getting, getting by. by. <laughs> it says it's not used by all farmers. Its use is growing every year as it becomes more accurate and affordable. I'd like to give some karma shout out to all the farmers in the fields during the harvest season. We could use some here. The four field fires and three road accidents so far. Thanks for your ever awesome show. Makes auto steering in our fields 14 hours a day oh more goodness. entertaining. Give them a little karma. All right. Here's for the farmers in the fields, everybody. You've got... Karma. You know, he he actually, I think he sent me a note uh, earlier when we were talking about Light Squared and set me straight because uh, I thought it was only the GNSS that was uh, affected by uh, by Light Square. And it turns out that, uh, and even based on the clip you played, this is the problem is that these, I didn't know it was that sophisticated. It shows you what I know. Um, but it is a problem for the farmers doing, uh, you know, they, they won't be able to essentially plow in straight rows anymore. <laughs> be all over the place. <laughs> be like, they'll be doing crop circles before what you know it. What the heck? <laughs> cool. Christina, well, hopefully it'll work out for him. Christina Fabiani in Hamilton, Ontario, 5533. In the morning, gentlemen, so after three checkouts from the local library and having it put me to sleep for six months, I finally finished Atlas Shrugged. Yay. Do I get to play the jingle now? I was waiting. <laughs> By Ayn Rand. And it says it decided it's worth every penny of this donation to call Ayn Rand out as a douchebag. Douchebag. Thanks for all your hard work and amazing show, guys. I've moved into Confessions of an Economic Hitman, so I'll keep you posted. <laughs> wow. You're, you're a couple of years behind, but you'll catch up. Don't worry. Yeah, well. Anonymous from Baltimore, Maryland. Double nickels on the dime. Uh, great show. Thanks a lot. Needs a karma. You've got karma uh adrian uh, boy that's a good one vernoy 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 please keep my location private Hmm. parts unknown (laughs) yeah right vernoy okay (laughs) can't possibly be anywhere in the lowlands uh, in the uh, lowlands uh hi john and adam i contributed my first hundred dollars for the show 350 and beginning to road up to knighthood fortunately seemed to have missed my request for karma at the end of my note oh no so i thought i'd cough an f55 in order to receive my on the air karma for my job search oh i'm so sorry adrian vernoy you've got karma from parts unknown i blame uh 
PayPal. Yeah. Arthur Kessler, Acme, Alberta, $50. Mike Bernstein, Bettendorf, Iowa, $50. Sir Snakes in Amsterdam, oh, $50. Yeah, Sir P- Paid Snakes. Yeah, Paid Snakes. Uh, Peter Totes in Sugarland, Texas, uh, Sugarland. 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 It's right up the street from you. Yeah. And Tegan Murray in Calgary, Alberta. Hi, guys. I went to a job interview last week, but haven't heard back yet. The job's exactly what I'm looking for, so a shot of karma would be greatly appreciated. Uh, please don't mention my last name on the show. Well, that's too bad we didn't catch that, but... You've got Tegan. karma. Tegan. 50 bucks to Tegan. Or 50 bucks from Tegan and a bunch of karma, and hopefully it will do fine. And uh, that'll be it for this week's uh, contributors. We want to thank everybody who donates to the show, specifically uh, uh, the executive producers and associate executive producers and everybody who contributes over 50. We give you credit. And uh, it's Dvorak.org slash NA, channel Dvorak.com slash NA. Or also go to the No Agenda site. NoAgendaShow.com. There's a donation button there, and also uh, at No Agenda Nation, where you can pick up that uh, valuable uh, slave T-shirt and also a mug if you want one. Uh, at NoAgendaShow.com. And you can also try NoAgendaNation.com. You can also try uh, ChelseaClinton2012.com and LadyMcDeath.com. Dvorak.org/na. I wanted to mention that I was listening to uh, our national treasure. Uh, NPR and uh, on KPCC in uh, oh, yeah. in Los Angeles, and uh, it was really interesting. Um, they had a, of course, I, I can't, you know, it's not available on the web because it was like a like a house ad, if you will. And they said if you'd like to reach, you know, a six hundred thousand people in the California in the Southern California area. If you'd like to, uh, you know, unaudited six hundred thousand, by the way, right? But it was basically, it was a whole like you know, advertise with us, advertise with us, and yeah. then and they said send an email to underwriter underwriting at kpcc.org. So I sent them an email, and I said, hey, you know, a client of mine uh, with the fast moving consumer products group. Yeah, you know, I faked it up a little bit. Uh, is very interested in uh, in advertising. I put specifically in the Southern California area. Could you please send me your rate card? I haven't received anything back. <laughs> but, uh, get one. I want to get one because uh, I because you know that would prove unless they say hey just so you know it's not advertising it's underwriting but they're gonna, I, I believe that they would send. Do we me, really need to prove this anymore? I think it's important to have it on you know on paper that just that says okay we're not about underwriting. Underwriting implies that you are sp- you are sponsoring good programming. They're actually out there saying, "Do you want to reach people? Our cool people who listen to us? You are the product of that." And yeah, here- no, underwriting implies that you are uh, paying for something for the good of the public for the public good, not to promote yourself. Yeah. That's what they're doing though. Well, uh, do we do Dan Manning? Uh, I have a Dan Manning from Grand Rapids. Oh, I don't know. Did we? Because I got a note here. Uh, you have a note to read. Now I'll read this. Dan Manning from Grand Rapids says, I'm always just about ready to send a check, but I get sidetracked. Oh, really? But the noagendabingo.com site is so friggin' awesome, you should mention this game pretty regularly because it's funny. It keeps me completely focused on the podcast, and I don't know, whoever came up with this site has all the memes nailed. I just had to send you a check thanking you for all your years of entertainment. Listening, been listening since you guys did Food Talk <clears throat> way back in the beginning. I listened when I 
pull weeds in my yard, when I do the dishes, sitting on the patio with some booze, when I'm playing World of Warcraft, whenever you guys, whenever, you guys are the only people out there reporting on the bull crap being pushed down our throats by this horrible system. Anywho, I'm pretty high in absinthe right now. <laughs> I'm typing this into... I'm typing this into Notepad for some reason. <laughs> this is uh, our typical listener. We love it. Wasted on absinthe going. <laughs> I'm wasted, dude. Dude, I'm baked on absinthe. Here's a check. <laughs> Happy birthday to Julia Catanio. She turns 15. That's from uh, Massimo, daddy, celebrating uh, on uh, the 30th of October. And Danny Haynes congratulates himself. He is celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday from your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. You know, we should try the show high on absinthe one time. See how that works yeah, out absinthe, for us. I, you know, for one thing, the, the, the true absinthe really, even though they have these ersatz absinthe, uh, which I can't even say it, uh, available, they make them in all over the country. There's about 20 of them, I, I suppose. They don't have enough of the re- original ingredients. There's still some absinthe makers in Holland and uh, Spain that have the re- real stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, it's not that good. <laughs> no, I've had it. It's like, it's they, like you know, if you, you, you got to sweeten it. They pour it over a sugar cube or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's bull crap. Yeah. Why do you have to go through all this rigmarole? I mean, have a good, you know, you want something to drink. Have some Listerine. You know, that's healthy. Drink some cognac. Yeah, all right. Could you uh, draw your blade? I have mine out already. Here it if comes. you wouldn't mind that. Thank you very much. Okay. Joe Pumphrey, Simon Reed, and Peter Peter Totes step forward. The three of you have done awesome work supporting the No Agenda Show, the best podcast in the universe, in excess or equal to $1,000, and therefore we proudly bestow upon thee the knighthoods. Sir Joe, Sir Simon, and Sir Peter, come on over to the Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Have a seat here. We've got your hookers and blow, your hot pants and booze, and your rent boys and Chardonnay. And thank you so much for supporting the program. Um, our nights are just growing. Uh, it's uh, it's really great. It keeps us rocking. Keeps the show going. And you can support us at... Dvorak.org slash N-A And uh, we got new rings on order. Right? Yeah, we got new rings. And we may change the color of the ring. We may be... Uh, oh, really? Finalizing the uh, silver-coated ring, the gold plate, the silver, whatever, white gold. White gold. I don't even know what white gold is. Yeah. And uh, going to actual gold and uh, oh really oh that's cool maybe I don't so, know I'm I'm trying to decide how to how to deal with it because we will have some of the white gold left and I don't know I'm I'm talking it over with uh, Eric Deschill I mean our our model has always been you know don't do product but we felt like when when someone's sponsoring the show and you know for a thousand dollars and it would be cool to have a nightclub but it really is a, it really is a big hassle. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest about it. Uh, yeah, but it's, you know, it, it, the funny thing, I got a note. <laughs> uh, who was it? I don't have the thing in front of me. I should, I'll plug it uh, in the next show. But one of the uh, knights sent in a uh, uh, a check and and sealed it. <laughs> with the oh, with the, oh, cool. <laughs> sealed the note. I'm liking, so this, I'm liking this idea of checks more and more. I think that's really a good idea. On the Dvorak.org slash an A page, you'll find out where you can send your check to. Yeah, and you can go to the band. It turns out one of our uh, our uh, 
uh, producers sent a note in saying that there. I, I didn't realize this because I thought there was some sort of a charge for this. But he says he can see at his bank they can set up an installment plan where they send he sends us eleven eleven a month or something. I don't know what the amount is in that in this case, but he says the bank paid the postage, which makes no really? sense to me. Huh? Good was that? Uh, can't be Bank of America. No, it would be any bank but them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, they, yeah, apparently the thing is picked up and uh, they, they just put you on some plan. They, they, you have a big, I guess if you have a minimum in your checking account, they, they figure that 44 cents a month is not that big of a deal. <laughs> and the rest of it is automated. These are machine cranked out checks. They don't even have a signature. It says signature on file. And it comes in a, it's obviously done mechanically. And so it's cool. just, it probably doesn't cost the bank anything. Love it. Except for the 44 cents. Do you remember who George Thomas Wainwright was? Name yeah. rings a bell. Yeah. He was uh, one of the whistleblowers against BP. He was uh, the, re- oh. the remote, uh, the remote operator. Why, funny you mentioned that. Um, so you'll note that uh, BP just got a, uh, a new license to drill offshore. Right. Um, so this uh, Thomas, uh, George Thomas Wainwright... He uh, six months ago he moved to Australia, which is uh, probably a smart thing to do for a whistleblower because you know you kind of got like a little target on your head. And uh, we've seen uh, the elitists murder people in uh, many interesting ways. You know, two to the head, gun in the left hand, uh, oh. hot tub with the cover on. <laughs> yeah. What else have yeah, you seen? I, you know, I don't see how it could get any more creative than the suicide. I mean, they, I think they've run out of good ideas on how to kill people. <laughs> no, they came up with a, a great one. Oh, really? Killed in a shark attack. Huh? He was eaten by a great white shark, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And then one week later, boom, approval for BP. Okay. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, what are the, what's the likelihood of getting eaten by a shark? Shark victim George Wainwright. And here's the classic from Aja Styles in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, and the headline says it all. Shark victim George Wainwright was living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After just getting by, he was living the dream. Unbelievable. 32 years old. How do you think that worked, huh? I wonder if they can train sharks to do that. Yeah, they probably killed them first and threw them to the sharks. Yeah, just fed them to the sharks, yeah. Because, of course, there's no evidence, right? Because it's in the shark's belly. Poor guy. Uh, There you go. That's where whistleblowers have extra protection with the Obama administration. Remember that? Whistleblower is important. Very, very important. Uh, So we haven't... uh, We didn't actually do this episode of our little mini-sub show... But since it was so eloquently described on uh, some news show that I picked it up from, I felt that we could uh, once again play... Win, lose, or drone! That's right! We now have the junior category of win, lose, or draw. If you're a teenager, you can be eligible. All you have to do is go to Dvorak.org slash NA for... Win, lose, or drone! According to a Facebook tribute page, he liked watching The Simpsons, reading Harry Potter, listening to Snoop Dogg. He was a U.S. citizen born in Colorado. 
16-year-old Abdul Rahman al-Awlaki was like so many other kids his age. But he happened to be the son of Anwar al-Awlaki, the al-Qaeda leader seen by U.S. intelligence as a key operative in Yemen. Two weeks after his father was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Yemen, the younger al-Awlaki was also killed by a drone there, along with a teenage cousin and several others. The same strike also may have killed a prominent al-Qaeda militant. It's not clear why al-Awlaki's son was with that man. Was the teenager a militant? There's no evidence from anything he wrote, anything he said, or anything the family have said that he was a militant. By the same token, he could have decided to embark on the path of jihad after his father's death. Such honor and duty goes deep in Yemeni society. I have two words for you. Predator drones. I'm telling you. I mean, well, there's a couple of things here I want to mention. First of all, I did a little research on uh, on this son. Yeah. Uh, and it begins with, uh, and what I was looking into was a, a Yemeni culture on on a on a article that was written in the New York Times some months before uh, Alaki died or mm-hmm. uh, was killed, uh, and it talked about his his wife. And that he was married, and that none of his friends that in Yemen knew about this wife. And so I, and then it said in the New York Times, I don't have the specific quote, but it's something like, "It's Yemen, Yemeni culture not to mention your wife." Hmm. And so a woman who is a uh, <laughs> to the hookers in, or just in general? In general, you never mention her. Oh. And uh, supposedly, and it, so I, one of the somebody I contacted on Twitter of all places, uh, who's an, a uh, Middle Easterner. Uh, described the situation and then then she did more research uh, because she was a little baffled by the story in the New York Times herself for some reason and and finds that the only mention of his wife was in this New York Times article that he had a wife that would create a son and uh, I and she says that it's true that you don't introduce your wife to the males because it's, you don't do that in the Arab culture at all. Mm-hmm. But you would at least, if you had friends at all, you would mention it. Apparently, he never mentioned it. She said that was the odd part. Huh. So she thinks the whole thing was... And I was trying to get to the following theory. And, and I never completely got there, but I think I, you know, I'm close enough. I'm stopping. Which is that he never had a son. He was never married. He was always a CIA guy. He was extracted, but there was a loose end. And that was and that was the kid. It was the kid. It was the kid who was either fake, pretending to be a son, so he could be part of the of the team. He could have been a handler, or he could have been he could have been the kid's handler. We don't know. But the kid was uh, the the his son was obviously part of the whole scheme and had to be extracted also. And so they had to kill him uh, if they did, and and and, fin- and close this book on the story because otherwise that guy to be left hanging out to dry, uh, if you know if it ever got out. So uh, that's that's what kind of what I was trying to figure out if that might be a plausible analysis, and I think it is. I uh, I'm totally buying that. It was a loose end, and uh, and he had a couple of buddies with him, and uh, they got rid of them too. Right. Cleaned up. So we're done. We're out. Yeah. So we know Obama they gets get, off. Uh, on. Lockheed can get his nose job and uh, <laughs> go live in Australia. His beard and he'll be uh, teaching at Columbia. Some other guy. And he can go live in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh my goodness. You uh, let's see. You want two clips? You want to roll something out before we? Uh, well, I close do have it up? my. I still have that uh, a couple of lagging clips, which are still part of the EU fiasco. 
which is the again the guy from the IMF uh, discussing what really has to happen in Greece. Mm-hmm. Namely, they do have to go bankrupt and get out of the euro. Is it? And I think this is part one of the. I've had two clips. One is a little more explanatory, but the first one I think is the most logical thing I've ever heard. And of course, if this happens. We can expect the stock market not to go past 12,000 like it's currently doing, but to reverse course. And this is uh, Greece must exit the euro, just to be sure? Mm-hmm. Uh, or yeah, leave yeah, euro one. part two? Okay. Maybe part one. in the past year, there were talks or at least thoughts that Greece would get out of the eurozone and go back to the drachma. And I, I would like your thoughts on that. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that that could pinpoint some of the problems that are going on. That would be an alternative, but I, whoever would like to handle that question, maybe none of you would like to handle I should mention that I wrote a Financial Times piece two years ago indicating the reasons why Greece would exit the euro, and sadly, events have really borne that out. Basically, the problem is that Greece having as large a public sector deficit problem as they've got, you can't reduce that uh, in a fixed exchange rate system without promoting an enormous recession. Greece's economy has already contracted by 12%. They've still got a budget deficit that's 10% of GDP. If they persist in the IMF approach of not devaluing their currency, not writing down their debt, but simply engaging in savage fiscal austerity, they're going to drive that economy totally into the ground. It's creating political unrest. It's making it very difficult for them to meet their budget targets. The logical thing for Greece to do would be to write down its debt by 50-60%, but they would also be well advised to exit the euro that would at least give the economy a chance to grow through exports, through improving the tourist sector. Otherwise, I'm afraid that Greece is condemned to a decade of not a deep recession, but this is more like a depression. Anybody else? Yeah, if if I may. And uh, I'm a financial uh, sector expert more than an economist. So let me just say... uh, Dr. Lachman is in a minority among the economists I've spoken with, as I think he would uh, he would admit. That doesn't mean he's wrong. <laughs> it's going to rock. It's going to be awesome. He's, he's not wrong. <clears throat> wow. And the second clip, which you don't have to play, I'll just explain. He, there's another debate that continues about how bad it would be and how, how things would fall apart if they, if they switched out of the euro. And Lachman, the IMF guy, former IMF guy, says uh, he's heard this before, and then he gives example after example after example of where this has happened without all this dislocation that everyone else is worried sick about. So uh, it's an interesting... So this is not going away anytime soon, and I, I, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, I think the Euro... As long as donations keep coming, yeah. it'll be fun yeah, to no watch. Kidding. I think the, and by the way, I want to remind people out there that are in the EU, uh, your money's worth a lot. Of, you know, so it doesn't take much to get, uh, you know, if you like, I think if you contribute 10 euros, it's like 500 bucks to well, us. Well, check like it that. out. The euro right now, and this is uh, Thursday, the 27th of October, <clears throat> is at $1.42. That's up. It's way up. In fact, the yeah. fact that it's up so high, of course, is, uh, again, you have to listen to the Dvorak Horowitz show because 
Horowitz has this theory that this is part of repatriation during during a, a, a financial what disaster. Is, what is a repatriation? I mean, get the money back into the country uh, as you know. In other words, buy up, get euros so they're so they can use them to 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 pass around. Essentially, so you got to get all the money back because they need the mo- they need every dime they can get. So they have to create raise the value of the euro so they can. So when they spend it on on bailouts and all the rest of it, it has a lot of value. Uh, ah, oh, oh, okay, right, right, an, right. I mean, it's not to help any because it's not good for their economy to have a euro so high because they can't export anything. Right. I mean, a Mercedes Benz instead of costing twenty thousand dollars at this rate would be like twenty eight thousand yeah, or almost just thirty. Up, yeah, it just went up three percent today. Wow, yeah, it's ridiculously high. And uh, the, the, so this is a this is a this is actually a bad sign that the euros is because when things do get fixed and uh, things if they get fixed at all or if it collapses that euro is dropping like a rock. So um, so uh, now's the time to donate to the no agenda. Yeah, if you're in <laughs> Europe, please to help us through the cold winter with no gas. Yes, <laughs> no it's exactly that. We yeah, that's a very good point. We need it. We need your help. Let me see if I had a couple of uh, couple of things here. Um, oh, yes. Remember we were talking about uh, the root? On the, the root. Li- oh, the root. Yeah, the root. And uh, yeah. we were wondering what the root is doing now, doing like televised things with the White House. And so, you know, the root, the root is like, you know, this publication, which is uh, uh, part owned by the Washington Post. Uh, I got on on the Twitter uh, after the show. Someone told me uh, what the connection is and why it's so weird. Okay, the root was founded by Professor Henry Louis Gates Jr. of Harvard University. Do you remember him? Yep, he was the guy that uh, had uh, a beer with President Obama after he got arrested. Right. So I'm thinking quid pro quo. Hey, man, look, have a beer. So, uh, listen, dude, uh, don't make such a big deal about this, and, uh, and I'll get you in the White House. I'll get you, like, reporting and do, do some televised stuff. How's that sound to you? Yeah, I think you're right. It's a good one. Good catch. Well, it wasn't my catch, one of our uh, one of our producers. Well, you took credit for it. You I and know. Obama. I, I just said one of my producers sent that to us. Oh, All man. aboard. Train's good. Plane's bad. Woo-hoo. Here it is. I've been waiting for it. Cross it off the list, Johnny boy. <laughs> UK. UK from the BBC News. UK urged to research pilot-free planes. <laughs> <laughs> Cross it off the list. Come on. Cross it off the list. I like it. It'll be all, okay. I love it. The Institution of Mechanical Engineers said the country's research and development spending has flatlined, so we should be uh, researching pilot-free planes. Yeah, that's great. Pilot-free and solar planes. Oh, that that's an investment right there. How's, so the, how's the weather? Not too good. Well, maybe we shouldn't fly. We'll have no energy. So I'm thinking that they're going to... To, to get people in the pilot-free planes, the first thing besides making the flights dirt cheap, which will encourage most people to try, take a chance, and I think that planes will be operated remote controlly like drones. They won't be fully private, pilot-free initially. No, they no, won't no, have no. Pilots. 
Yeah, I agree. In Nevada. Oh no, I agree. I think okay. I think you're yeah, I think you're spot on about that. Uh, I just have a couple things I just wanted to jam in. We got a couple minutes First left for drones. You know, we don't have apparently no drone has ever crashed. No, no drones rock. Although they've crashed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> shh, shh. Get on board with the program, dude. Uh, the Vatican uh, called uh, for a uh, global public authority and central world bank this week. <laughs> you know, they don't understand subtlety, do they? <laughs> like, hey, come on, man. It's like, we're working on this here. Shut up, Vatican. This is, this is our deal. Then we have... Um, this was a great little note. Defense Secretary Philip Hammond of Gitmo Nation East in the UK urged companies to pack their suitcases and head over to Libya to secure your reconstruction contracts. <laughs> I wish I had audio of that. Pack your wow. suitcases. Oh, That's yeah. That's a good one. Jackals. Pack your suitcases. Pack them. Pack them, I say. It's great. Oh, pack them. Well, the last time I was I was watching one of the uh, news shows, they there was John McCain yakking away about bitching about something. And he's in Tripoli. Well, he was at the um, World Economic Forum, and uh, you know, of course, we know that McCain and what's the other douche's name, uh, Lieberman. They're the guys who are pro- you basically got uh, the uh, the resolution started in the United Nations against Libya of course John McCain is the guy who then you know subsequently goes with Coke and Exxon and all these companies they go on a, a junket you know they pack their suitcases and they're off to Libya the day after you know, after Gaddafi's killed who's there McCain like hee hee whoop it up everybody and uh, he was talking about Syria in regards to, uh, I mean, he's basically just saying, uh, Syria, you're next. The Assad regime has spilled too much blood to stay in power. Its days are numbered, but it will use those days to murder more of its own people. In this way, there is no moral distinction whatsoever between the case of Syria and that of Libya. The question is, what can be done about it? Hmm. The Syrian revolution may now be entering a new phase. The opposition has formed the Syrian National Council and is seeking to better organize itself. Mm-hmm. There are increasing reports of defections from the army. Mm-hmm. More Syrians appear to be taking up arms against the regime. Mm-hmm. There are even, even growing calls among the opposition for some kind of foreign military intervention. Doesn't it sound like he's reading the night before Christmas, the way he says that? Some some well, people I'm looking for uh, even taking up. Well, there's there's more. There's more to his clip. You look it up. We hear these pleas for assistance. We hear you. We are listening to and engaging with the National Council. Oh, we're engaging. And now that military operations in Libya are ending, there will be renewed Let's focus. Let's go there. Yep. On what practical military options might <laughs> be considered to protect civilian lives in Syria? Bring it home. The Assad regime should not assume that it can get away with mass murder. Give me a zinger. Gaddafi made that mistake, (laughs) and it cost him everything. In other words, the Obama doctrine, do as I say, or I drone your ass, mofo. I mean, the guy is just basically... I'm still not seeing the go-ahead in the New York Times. Okay, well, there's a lot going on. I think this is just a holding pattern. I think uh, it's obvious that... uh, 
McCain is, you know, because the Russians are part of this deal. We can't get around that fact. And McCain has either got something he wants to hold it over the head of the Russians or he's, or he's asking for trouble. I don't know. Well, he's the guy that uh, that set up the last one, and he's basically... The BBC is also on this bandwagon, as yeah. we've noted on the last show. And a couple of these guys, this, these are this are renegade policies, as far as I can tell. Well, the whole, it, it's an exact duplication of the script, so the only thing is standing in the way are the Russians with their naval base there, and, and uh, who knows? But there's still the, the possibility that we'll have home for the holidays... Uh, we know that Turkey is uh, is blowing stuff up in northern Iraq, Kurdistan. Uh, the possibility for a huge false flag, maybe against our embassy there, uh, that will finally give us the impetus to go and attack Iran, where, of course, we already have the techno experts trained and ready sitting there. So it's it's a toss-up. Syria, Iran, and don't discount Morocco. I have, I have a weird feeling about Morocco. You see anything in the Times about Morocco? No, no, nothing. I'm looking and looking. I'm not seeing anything. I got, uh, let's see what we look at here. Well, Hold the on. Moroccans are also demonstrating. They've got to occupy uh, oh, Morocco. Bahrainians are too. I mean, everybody is, but we have, we selectively pick one for whatever political reason. So maybe, maybe. In Syria, hints of, this is, a, here's a Syrian a tidbit. This is a minor below the fold thing. I'll read it. And it's, all, it's on A12, so it's buried. Mm-hmm. In Syria, hints of army unrest. Syrian army defectors right. claim responsibility for an attack. This is what McCain's talking about. That's what about. he just said, yeah. So let me just see what uh, how they handle that here. And by it's the World Economic Forum, which is all about money. And he's talking, he's talking to, the, to the, he's preaching to the choir there. They're like, hey, can I pack my suitcase? <laughs> I hear they got some nice naval ships there. Well, maybe maybe there's trouble in paradise with the Ruskies. I don't know. It's it's completely possible. Well, they did a deal with Exxon, so uh, unless that deal falls apart, or maybe there's another deal afoot that needs to be done, uh, that Russians have to uh, you know attend to some other oil deal, uh, and this is just holding a sword over their head. I don't know. It's a scam of some sort. Well, we're keeping our eye on everything as uh, as usual, and uh, just one more note. I find it highly interesting that the Occupy Wall Street live stream now has helicopter shots. They're cutting live to a helicopter cam. Please tell me, <laughs> please tell me how that works. How does that work? I don't know, but it is very interesting. Very suspicious. These are the subtleties that we notice here on the No Agenda Show. Sometimes coined the best podcast in the universe. And people should go to podcastawards.com and vote for us and vote for us often. And if we have all these techno experts, maybe one or two of them can create a bot <laughs> that or- can rotate through uh, IP addresses and vote the heck out of yeah. us. Because we know the other guys are doing that. Someone's jamming us, man. Because they got barbed wire and dogs at the fence. Uh, apologies to uh, Maynard. Uh, for some reason, I can't find this clip. We'll play that on the next show. I will, however, bring you the Novagenda Lone Squirrel mix at the end of the show. I thought you were going to bring the... Uh, oh, I you just, lost the What did I just say? I, I thought there was something you were going to read. No, no, no. It's an audio clip. Coming to you from the Gitmo uh, Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California. This is human resource number 3,282,515,303. Saying in the morning to you, everybody. 
and from northern Silicon Valley where we're celebrating. I don't know. I forgot since the show began. It was so depressing that I can't remember. I'm John C. Dvorak. Happy World Vegan Day coming up on the 1st. All right. (laughs) And we'll talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda. For the American people, I've got one question. Do you smell bullshit? We know bullshit.com. Right now, 75% of Americans ages 17 to 24 years of old, ages years of old, are not qualified. Let me repeat. We don't know you, we don't want you, and the sooner you're put out to grass, the better. Now they're raising to find out to see if the suspect was mentally unstable or a lone wolf terrorist. They were now, quote, hunkered down, close quote. Uh, You know, it's pre-crime. This was meant to be the first post-ideological generation, right? This was meant to be the generation that never thought of anything bigger than our Facebook profiles and our TV screens. This was meant to be the generation where the only thing that Saturday night meant was X Factor. I think now that claim is quite ridiculous. I think now that claim is quite depressing. I think now we've shown... Now we've shown that we are as ideological as ever before. Now we've shown that solidarity and comradeship and all those things that used to be associated with students are as relevant now as they've ever been. You know, the, the, the most incredible thing that, that happened on Wednesday, I went down, I thought I was going to go down in lunch break and then get back in time for lessons. Um, perhaps I should have known they put the, the guy in charge, the G20 in charge. Uh, perhaps I should have been more concerned for my life than for whether I was going to get down for lessons, but... Uh, when I tried to get out and I was told it was a sterile area uh, by police officers standing and not letting anyone out, I thought, well, that's why we need a university education. If we don't get one, we end up in police uniforms. Um, you know, when, when, I, when I was kettled in there, I, I was with thousands and thousands of school students who'd come down with their ties around their heads in their school uniforms, and yeah, they were cold, who'd come down, who'd never been on a protest before, who'd never joined a political party or been involved in a political movement before, who didn't have any no economic knowledge or political degrees, but they were there because they believed in something. They were there because they believed in something bigger, and they were there because they knew that either... You know, there weren't a million choices. There were two choices. Either they laid down and took whatever the government threw at them, or they stood up and fought back. And so those school students who'd never been involved in anything before stood up and they fought back. And when they were in that kettle, being kettled in by police, you know, the word went round as we were sitting, huddling around fires, sharing out what little food we had, and the word went round, people said, we know what they're up to. We know that they don't think we're a danger to the public. I'm 15 years old. People there were as young as 13. We know they don't think we're going to run riot through the streets of London. We know what they're up to. They think that if they kettle us now, we're not going to come on a demonstration ever again. Well, let the word go out from today, people say. Let the word go out about next Tuesday. Let the word go out about next week and next month and next year that they can't stop us demonstrating. They can't stop us fighting back. And however much they try to imprison us in the streets of London, those are our streets. And we will always be there to demonstrate. We will always be there to fight. People who had who had always thought that the police were just those people at the other end of the telephone line to help uh, if there was a burglary. People who'd always thought that the media were just those friendly newspaper men who were there to give them that unbalanced picture of the facts. People learned a lot last Wednesday. People learned a lot as they huddled around fires um, and then emerged from that kettle to see headlines like vandals on the evening standard that afternoon. People learned a lot when a police van was left in the middle of the road so that the police could tow it away and, and show the whole public, look what vandals these people are. People learned a lot. 
So the message that goes out from last Wednesday is very clear. We are no longer that post-ideological generation. We are no longer that generation that doesn't care. We are no longer that generation that's prepared to sit back and take whatever they give us. We are now the generation at the heart of the fight back. We are now the generation that will stand with everyone who's fighting back. The most inspiring thing, I think, was that just after Wednesday... Uh, hundreds of people joined a Facebook group, school students joined a Facebook group in solidarity with RMT members on strike. Those are people who previously thought, those are people who previously thought tube strikes was something annoying because they stopped them getting into school. Now they think they've got to link arms and fight back with everyone. So we want to show solidarity with everyone who's fighting back. We hope you'll show solidarity with us and send a strong message to this government that uh, they can't throw their cuts at us. We're going to stand up and we're going to fight back. If you get video of Sarah Palin or get a soundbite from her, bring that back to us. You can hold the Ron Paul stuff. Now, the Tea Party, that energy, that upwelling of energy, that rejection of that unfairness rapidly became a political vehicle for all sorts of interests that had nothing to do with what the Tea Party started on. And you don't have to look any further than the Tea Party's refusal to actually engage the banks. I'm sitting here as an anchor at MSNBC. I'm like, oh, man, when the bank reform comes, the Tea Party's going to be on their throats. There's no way they're going to be able to get away with this. Tea Nowhere. Don't look over here. Nowhere. And so you get this first rejection of a Tea Party. Then you also have the Obama wave. Hello, everybody. Which is Obama's going to fix. President Obama will fix this. Senator Obama will become president and he will fix this. It didn't happen. I believe the occupation is like the third wave. Think of it like sets of waves of energy or, or hands at a blackjack table. The origins of the occupation, which I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody will ever ultimately know. Problem, reaction, solution. I think are less for me are less relevant than the energy of the rejection of unfairness that is being continued to be expressed either through the support of President Obama and his candidacy, which was the perception that that would get fixed. The emergence of the Tea Party before it was co-opted, and now uh, the Occupy movement, which honestly, that, if history is any indication, the Occupy movement won't go anywhere either, by the way, but you will continue to see waves of rejection of unfairness because the world is so transparent now that everybody can see it. Everybody knows the problem. The problem is our government is bought. The Democratic Party is bought. We just need cash. The Republican Party is bought. Just send your cash. That's not an opinion. Remember, 94% of the time, this is a this is a fact, 94% of the time, the candidate who raises the most money wins. That is not a democracy. That is an auction. Look, I, you know, I uh, when I was a kid, I... I uh, Let me be clear. I inhaled uh, frequently. <laughs> That was, uh, that, was, that was the point. They, they, these guys, these balls in the chat room just kicked me off. <laughs> yeah, banned. Hey, that's right. John C. Work was kicked. No service for you! <laughs> oh, someone called you an impersonator. What a Look, bunch of douchebags. Douche really? Hold on. Let me douchebag him for you. Douchebag! Anyway, right, I'm, um, I'm done with them. We'll do it live! Squirrel! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Are those C-SPAN? Why would you watch that? Because that's actually where you get news from, douchebags. Why don't you get an advertiser, they always say. Sponsorship, underwriting, advertising, call it whatever you want. Nobody doing podcasting, uh, professional level, good quality podcasting, as we're doing, has taken it serious. Daddy, where's the slide whistle? <laughs> We are seriously, you know, we have programs. We came up with the night thing. We've got a different kinds of the. We also club. don't don't call it a tip jar. We don't work for tips. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, no, we we do this. We're seriously doing this, and it's like take it or leave it. This is the model we're working with. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. 
Uh, it's going to be a lot better. The product you're going to get is a lot better. If you, if you get anything out of it, you get something out of it, you know, contribute. I mean, just the way, way this is new. Dvorak.org slash N-A. We, 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 we have a butt. In the morning, cool weekends. F-M. Weedy. Weedy. And the butt. We have a butt. Cool weekends in the morning. 97.1 FM. Cool weekends in the morning with Weedy and the butt. WQHG 97.1. 97.1. Butt slam. <laughs> That's Manic Monkey on 97.1. Manic Monkey. Well, cool weekends in the morning. All weekend long. Weedy and the butt. In the morning. In the morning. On the radio. I think we have a wiener. <laughs> And that's Dickie the Punchline Donkey on 97.1. Dickie the Punchline Donkey on Cool 97.1. Cool Weekend. On the radio. In the, the, the morning. FM. Cool. WQHG. Cool Weekend. In the morning. On 97.1. 97.1. I want you to take your cell phones out of your pocket. Go ahead, I'll wait. The Lord has time to wait for you. Now, we're going to make America move forward. Just text me. Nine five eight six one three. I'll wait for you. They were throwing babies out on the floor. It was an evil thing. And you can always follow me on Twitter. Nailed it. <laughs> Let me stroke my white pussy for a moment. <laughs> Here's Johnny. <laughs> What channel was this? What idiot was this? The guy on PBS is an idiot. I'm a fancy, fancy Englishman. Try to bamboozle the idiots who actually listen to MSNBC. This is the most amazing douchebaggery I've ever seen. And they're just stupid journalists with their douchebag stories. Wolf Blitzer sitting in front of this green screen with his jacket on. I mean... Dude, do you know you're a douchebag? It's douchebaggery, I tell you. Noah Jen is the best podcast in the world. The best podcast in the world! TimeToRiot.com RickPerryIsAnIdiot.com Search.NAShowNotes.com AdiosMofos.com It's Crackpot and Buzzkill! China, 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 China. Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the land of unconfirmed Yes, yeah, so we came... We saw, he died. <laughs> Dvorak.org slash N-A.